The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Shag and Flies. We have a fantastic guest for you this week. We had a wonderful chat with Justin Mason. Uh, If you don't know Justin, he is basically everywhere in fantasy baseball. He's been writing about fantasy baseball for a long time. He writes about fantasy baseball at Fangraphs, co-hosts their Sleeper in the Bus podcast. Uh, He created Friends with Fantasy Benefits and has been writing for them for a while. Uh, Just all over the place. Uh, He has, as you'll hear in this episode, he works a lot on his writing and uh, he's fantastic. We had a really, really fun chat and I'm really excited for you all to hear this episode. So without further introduction, here is our chat with Justin Mason. when I first started um, and like it was like a fantastic podcast and all of a sudden there's nothing <laughs> but I got into arguments with a lot of people in the industry um, over whether DFS was gambling or and this was years ago right this was this was yeah. uh you know I mean I was I was doing radio stuff for FNTSY so four years ago something like that and I was like of course it's gambling like no it's a game of skill yeah, there are gambling games that are also a game of skill. Yeah, yeah. I, Poker I don't is know a game of you, skill, right. but it is yeah. still gambling. I don't know how you how you argue it's not gambling. Like you are wagering money that uh, you will either gain or lose, dependent on the outcome of something you can't control. I'm like, that's gambling. <laughs> like they that's just, there is skill involved. Yeah, but there's like, just laws against online gambling, and so right. right. In order Isn't that... for, for people's livelihoods to not be affected, they had to perpetuate the lie. <laughs> and I was yeah. on, yep. I was on the radio on FNTSY. I can't remember what they're called now, Sports Grid, something like that. Um, and they were big proponents of DFS um, because you know part of their, you know, their the way they made money was through DFS oh, yeah. content. Oh, and yeah. so, like, I was saying this stuff on the radio in the like face and like. 
you know, and even like I sat down with like the, the manager there and I was like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like I, this is clearly gambling. I'm going to say yeah. that. So if that's a problem, let me know. We won't cover it at all. And he's like, no, yeah. just be respectful, you know, but like, yeah, I mean, of course it's gambling. Fantasy yeah. sports in general is gambling. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. Money leagues. Like I've, I've been yeah. in, you know, my, my, I generally speaking, I try to avoid money leagues. I just, this is why NFBC is not legal in certain States. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, this is gambling. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that how the current like wave of state by state legal gambling got started? If I remember correctly, when the New York state, the New York um, Attorney General sent a cease and desist to DraftKings and FanDuel, which they then I think responded by taking it all the way up to the state supreme court or something like that. Yeah, Uh, something like that. Suddenly, this this has been a this has been a constant battle with states for years, Um, and there are people in the industry that make a lot of money going to court on this stuff um, or protect a lot of money going to court on this stuff uh, because, yeah, I mean, there's, there's always been issues. I mean, I think eventually every state will, you know, what it comes down to is what every state wants. They want a piece of the right. action, you know? Yeah. And so yep. every state will come to an agreement at some point until the federal government says, okay, we made a mistake making online gambling legal. Let's just regulate it better. Right. Yep. Totally agree. Um, actually, you made me think of something earlier. So when you said that doing DFS makes you a better fantasy analyst, I hadn't thought I hadn't made the connection. But when I used to write batter's box for pitcher list, which was our daily recap of the previous day's hitters, I realized that that was making me a better analyst because uh, you know, three times a week when I was doing it, I was going through the box scores uh, every night and noticing trends like, man, this is like the fifth time I've included this player in batter's yep. box. This guy must be really heating up. And it, it, it paying attention every single day. Uh, that is something I kind of miss. I don't miss the, <laughs> the deadline of batter's box, like <laughs> pushing it out first thing in the morning, like at I'm work. Doing- I'm doing the Sunday morning one this year, and let me tell you, I will not be doing that one again. Yeah, Sunday I, morning. I, oh my god! I do the I do the rotor write up, which is yep. like you know the, that version of article, mm. but for batters and uh, pitchers, um, you know, five days a week. And yeah. so, like, I'm constantly like, all of a sudden, like, it's like, oh man, you know, this guy's really starting to heat up, and it just gives me like, okay, mark that name down because I'm going to be, you know, getting them in fab or bring them up on a yep. podcast or. You know, um, or opposite, like, you know, I think often we focus so much on like who has really like bad starts this season, but mm. we don't notice it as much in season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yes. doing things like DFS, doing things like um, those kind of articles, uh, they make you a better analyst, but they make you a better player because you're just in tune because it's easy to overlook. I mean, you're talking about 26 players on 30 teams. That's yeah. a lot of fucking you know, names to be checking out. And they're absolutely. constantly changing and shit, especially this time of year. So, um, oh, you know, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, I can imagine that the like the DFS specifically, though, also takes a kind of patience and long view that not necessarily anybody has, just because that's the nature of baseball is that you could have the best matchup in the world. And on any given day, you know, Sebi Zavala is going to hit three home runs against Max Scherzer because Max woke up on the wrong side of the bed or something like that, you know? And when you're on it, like on a game by game level, you just have to be able to accept and be like, all right, you know what? Like even the very best Intel and information I have is at best, like an approximate 
guess of what might happen. Well, Dude's I mean, one, this one is game. just it's Second just like season. poker in the sense that like there's a reason why you see the same faces at final tables in the main event and stuff, mm-hmm. or you're in or yes. World Series poker. Um, you know, and the same thing with DFS, you'll see the same names like you know, finishing the top ten, winning these tournaments, and you know. Part of it is they have more money to spend, right? So they can enter all of these tournaments. Um, but at the same time, is they're really good. And over mm-hmm. the course of the long haul, if you are good, you will make money. Now, the problem is DFS got marketed the same way poker got marketed. It's like you could be a millionaire yep. tonight. Yep. Um, and people don't realize like if you just go all in every time – you're not going to win most of them. You're going to lose a lot of money. And this is why a lot of people lose money playing DFS when they first start or when they start playing poker, um, you know, in casinos and stuff. Um, because it is a long haul and you have to think about it, you know. And, you know, like I've never won a big tournament, but I make anywhere from two to $5,000 a year playing MLB DFS, you know, yeah. $40 a night, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's you know it's hey tonight I won forty two dollars out of the and I spent forty so I made two dollar profit okay well that adds up you know or you know maybe tomorrow night I'll win seventy five dollars or I'll win a hundred and seventy five dollars and there'll be the occasional thousand dollar pull or something like that but there's also going to be you know I went a whole month this season where I didn't win a fucking dime I lost every fucking <laughs> yep. I lost a good. Four or $500, you know, or probably more like, you know, six, $700 of my bankroll. Like I just didn't make anything. I just, you just keep grinding away. It's a grind. Um, yeah. I, I love, I love that you made the poker comparison because I made that exact almost word for word comparison on the episode we did with Jake Seeley, mm-hmm. where I was saying that like fantasy sports in general, I think is a lot like poker because there is uh, a, a luck factor and the the good players aren't always going to win, but you will always see the good players near the top. And it's uh, exactly. And that, you know, it's so funny. You mentioned, Zach, you mentioned like the random stuff like, you know, three home runs off of Max Scherzer just because, you know, bad luck. What a what an interesting like life lesson that is too. Like at some point you got to be like, eh, what can you do? Like just <laughs> you're not in control, you man. You're not in control. You just you gotta <laughs> let the universe do its thing. Every once in a while, someone's gonna hit a one outer on you. Yep. It's just that's part of the game, you know. Yep. And, um, I think in, in when when you play season long, you go okay, that's gonna even out over the full season, right? So it's just. You know, Max Scherzer's ERA is still going to be, you know, three two seven at the end of the year or whatever it's going to end up being, you know. So it doesn't really matter that I yeah. gave up the three home runs tonight, you know. He, he's going to, at the end, pay me back what I put in put into him. I think in DFS right. it's harder because the whole slate is wiped clean at the end yep. of the day. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, you, you blew that 50 bucks or that 100 bucks or that $1, you know, whatever you put in. Yeah, yeah. And that is what in, why what I enjoy about straight gambling to some extent. I was just telling Ben before we started what I what I enjoy about baseball gambling specifically. And I'm like I do small like lunch money type stuff. Like you know I'll throw down a ten dollar parlay a few times a week. But it's baseball is such a long season, and the worst teams win sixty and the best teams lose sixty. And you know if you can just pick those right days, if you can pick the one day that Mike Fultonevich doesn't give up eight runs, you know. 
<laughs> and you know right. you might lose you might lose 60 percent of the time 70 percent of the time still but you know still builds up over the course of time and it's just like it's like fantasy and it can be a fun challenge i think sometimes as long yeah. as you're um doing it within you know certain boundaries and yeah i mean it's um, all it's all about setting personal limits and stuff mm-hmm. when i was when i first got sober so this is 16 years ago um i was playing a lot of poker i mean like 30 plus hours a week and a guy oh, man, like online poker no no in casinos or like in, in casinos um, no, yeah, okay in casinos. um i've never loved the i mean online poker is fun like you know yeah. every once in a while um when you can't go to a casino but I, I I don't I prefer like being in person. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And a guy who played a lot too. Um. You know he uh, him and I were sitting there kind of bullshitting and talking about you know, you know how you make money playing poker. He goes, "This is how you make money." He goes, "You you say I'm going to play every day, so 365 days a year, and I'm going to leave the moment I get up 200 dollars." And if you do that every day and you win every day, you're not going to win every day. But if you were, that's $72,000 a year. Yeah. Tax-free. Yeah, that's true. Is Uh, it tax-free? Really? You only have to report if you make, I think, $3,000 in profit Hmm. uh, in a day. So, I mean, it shouldn't be tax-free. You should report. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And And if you're making a crap ton of money, you're probably going to need to report at some point yeah but, yeah but if you're making a crap load of, if you're making enough money that you have to report it, you're probably day, doing okay yeah. you know yeah if, you, if you're making 200 a day no one's no one's noticing that now if you put seventy two thousand dollars in your bank account someone's gonna notice that right um, we've all done a little light money laundering now and then yeah know? exactly yeah. so but who, who among just, us you know dfs <laughs> is the dfs kind of like is the same idea it's like if you you know obviously you can't just pull your money out when you're ahead in a contest but if you say I'm gonna play 25 bucks a day, or I'm gonna gamble yeah. 25 bucks a day, and I'm not gonna continue to increase my limits and stuff like that, where I, you know, oh look, I won, I won a thousand dollars today. So tomorrow I'm gonna play a thousand dollars worth of entries. This is right. how people lose all their money. Like you know, it's oh I won money today. Like the worst thing that ever happened to me in terms of gambling. Not not that I lost the most amount of money, but. The worst thing that ever happened to me is the first time I ever bought a lottery ticket, I won $100. Oh. <laughs> so you're like, they all do this, right? <laughs> I'm going to be got first the- and rich. Yeah, I got the magic touch. <laughs> I don't know if I've won $100 in lottery winnings over the course of my lifetime outside of that. <laughs> I just got lucky the first time. <laughs> right, right. And That's this incredible. is this is the problem with people in gambling. The problem with people in DFS is um, the you know once you win once, you always think you're going to win. Right. Exactly. Well, um, that was fantastic. Uh, little little Feel chat on DFS. Any, we will use any of that audio. That's we fine. will use all of it uh, <laughs> because we just kind of roll with whatever's going on here. <laughs> and I, I, you know, 15 minutes in, I should say, hey, Justin, thanks for joining us on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. It's it's really awesome to have you. Um, so I want to start off by talking a little bit about you. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about where you are from from what i understand you are a dc native correct 
Yes, I grew up in in uh, Northern Virginia and Washington D.C. Okay, uh, so how? So tell me a little bit about that. How you got from Northern Virginia D.C. area to now you live in San Francisco, or the I, San Francisco yeah. area? I yeah, assume. Yeah, right? I, I live about an hour outside of San Francisco. Okay, yeah, the the San Francisco uh, area. But yeah, how did how did you move from East Coast to West Coast? I moved around quite a bit uh, when I was young, so. Uh, I was born in Washington, D.C., Georgetown University Hospital. Um, uh, lived in Northern Virginia off and on uh, with uh, stops in uh, Paris, France, um, London, England. Uh, but my mother worked for the airlines. so. Um, she... Oh, so were you – I was about to say, we, we definitely need to slow down and you need mm-hmm. to tell me how you landed in <laughs> yeah. Paris and London. But hey. was this, was this uh, um, related to – your mom yeah, being my, airline, my, yeah. My, yeah, my mother worked for the airlines, um, and uh, and you know eventually she she just got based in in uh, at Dulles International Airport, which is just outside of Washington D.C. in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, lived there for a little bit. My mother passed away when I was younger, uh, and then uh, lived in Washington D.C., the actual city of D.C. for a while. Ended up uh, in boarding schools. Um, bounced around quite a bit when I was younger, after especially after my mother passed away, uh, and ended up in Northern California in, in 2000 um, with some uh, second cousins of mine, um, the people I now call my family, my parents, ah. my, my siblings. Uh, yeah, they yeah. took me in. They were It was uh, the first cousin of my mother uh, took me in, um, and that is how I ended up in Northern California. Uh, oh, wow. Um, and but I in there to- since? Uh, no, I, I bounced around. I joined the army when I when I was seventeen, um, shortly after nine eleven, uh, and traveled around a little bit uh, more until I was discharged from the military and ended back in Northern California. And I have been here in uh, let's see, I've been here in just just you know an hour north of San Francisco for uh, since two thousand and five. Uh, okay. So. All right, so you've been there for a good you know fifteen sixteen years. Minutes. Yeah, yeah, been a minute. So I did not know you uh, were in the army. I had no I idea. That's mm-hmm. that's interesting. I I kind of want to hear a little bit about that. So this was you said not long after nine eleven. I'm assuming then uh, you were uh, in the army during the Iraq War. Yeah. I was. Yeah. So I joined. Yeah. I, I mean, I turned seventeen in two thousand and one, um, just shortly after nine eleven uh join join the army um did the whole uh boot camp in between my junior and senior year of high school uh because oh. i thought that'd be a fun story yeah uh, yeah was then, it a fun story or uh, was it uh, i got in really good shape um yeah uh prior to my senior year of high school which i made me a little bit more popular with the ladies not much more because <laughs> it's still my personality um <laughs> But, it's you still have to deal with this just in better yeah, packaging. Yes, exactly. The face <laughs> didn't change any. I mean, it got a little thinner. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I remember, I remember where I was when Saddam Hussein was captured, and we're all like, "Hey, war over, right?" You know? <laughs> all right, uh, pack it up. Everyone. Mission accomplished. You might <laughs> we're say we're done, right? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I love, I love the army. Um, it was. Uh, uh, it was really, really beneficial for me as a person. Um, I love the structure of it. 
Um, I, I, I love serving the country. Uh, I, I, I was a journalist and so I got to do things that a lot of other people didn't get to do like shadow jobs, um, of, uh, you know, in the military. So it was a little bit like, Ooh, like today I get to like travel around with, or, you know, this week I get to travel around with the infantry this week, I get to travel around with this job and stuff. And, uh, it was really cool um but i uh for those who don't know i am a recovering alcoholic and back then i was just an alcoholic um and uh and i could not get out of my own way um and so i ended up being discharged because i could not stop drinking uh and um yeah it was uh probably my biggest shame of my life at that time but what had to happen for me to get to where I'm at, which, you know, had I not been discharged from the army, I would not have met my wife, wouldn't have had my kids. Um, and I would be in a completely different spot. And so while the army did everything they could for me to try to get me to figure it out, I wasn't ready and that's okay. Yeah. So I guess that, that actually uh, leads into another question I had for you because uh you are a certified addiction specialist and counselor. Yep. And so I I would imagine that that has something to do with uh, recovering from alcoholism. Absolutely. And I, I would love I would love to hear kind of the the jump from discharge from the army, um, getting sober, and then saying, I want to enter the field of addiction counseling and, and what, the, what was the process of, of getting into that field and, and, and becoming a certified counselor? Well, just like anything else in my life, uh, it happened on accident. So, um, uh, I, let's see. Um, I, I got sober in 2005, uh, you know, after I was discharged from the army, um, spent, uh, in, in 2004, uh, ended up here in Northern California, back in Northern California. And the only thing I could think of is like, how do I, uh, how do I do a job where I have to drink? Right. So I ended mm. up as a bartender. Um, when I, oh, uh, wow. when I, when I got back from the army, um, and you know, racked up all the wreckage you hear from people. Right. Um, you know, sure. uh, DUIs, assault charges, family, not want to talk to you, all that good stuff that yeah. you know they don't glamorously show in uh uh in the movies or on tv when people are drinking having a good time uh but you yeah. know uh that was that's just kind of my story and uh i got sober on april 25th of 2005 um and you know um have been sober you know every day since um and uh I, at one point when I was very early on in my sobriety, decided, hey, you know what? I should go back to school because being a bartender while sober, while fun still, um, wasn't really wanted what I wanted to do with my life for right. the rest of my life. And I didn't really have a lot of skills necessarily. Um, you know, the Army had taught me how to be a journalist, but, you know, I, I didn't didn't really think I could make a career out of that necessarily. Um, and so I, I decided I was going to go become a teacher. Um, and uh, right before my semester started, uh, my wife said, hey, you know, you want to be a teacher, but there's a drug and alcohol counseling program 
at the junior college that we that I was going to be attending. Um, and I went, ah, I'll try that out. And so I, you know, went through that program and uh, got the degree for it and um, have been a drug and alcohol counselor now for uh, coming up. Or no, I just passed 14 years, I believe. Uh, wow. Uh, working in that field. Yeah. Um, I've worked in a lot of different types of programs and uh, it's been, it's been a very fun and rewarding experience. Um, so, yeah. Is, is there anything about that that is, and I'll actually also use this as an opportunity to jump in and give the standard disclaimer we give to anything that we, because we talk about a lot of things that aren't baseball and we go a million different directions. If we ever yes. start talking about something that is, you know, for some reason, a sensitive topic, you want to avoid it or whatever. I don't really have chat, of course. Um, sensitive topic. So you don't have to worry about that with me. <laughs> I was going to say, have well, you, have you the... uh, seen <laughs> have his you wife on Twitter? Him well, and his wife. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, um, there, there are people in, in the industry that I think, um, play roles and stuff like that. And I've been accused of being one of those people. I am unabashedly me. Um, and that gets me in trouble at times. So, but yeah, I would, I would argue it's your strongest. It's like the strongest thing about you. And, and the strongest thing about anybody is when you are unabashedly yourself, because if you start, if you start trying to play the role of a fantasy analyst, you start, you start doing an imitation of somebody else who is unabashedly themselves. So like I've, I've said on this podcast before, when I first started doing fantasy sports writing, I was just doing an impression of Tristan Cockroft. And when you're doing an impression of somebody, which I think everybody, when they first start off on anything, they're doing an impression of the people they look up to and the people that they uh, love. And uh, and then you kind of find your own voice. But when you're doing an impression of somebody else, it comes across as inauthentic. And I think sometimes I or, or, it, it, or it maybe not inauthentic. It, it, I, think. I think it can come off as inauthentic. Yes. I think the problem is it becomes really hard to walk it back. So, for instance, from mm-hmm. my own, mm-hmm. you know, my own experience, my last name is not Mason. For some people, this is a shocker. For other people, it's not a shocker. They know this, right? And I've been very honest that I don't, I don't use my actual last name when I do this. Um, And I I did it with the idea of, you know, for a certain reason, I, you know, give myself a little bit of anonymity. I didn't want people contacting my job um, Mm -hmm. or someone from my job listening to a podcast because, especially early on, Friends of Fantasy Benefits was very risque. Um, We really pushed the envelope a lot more than maybe we do now. Um, hmm. If you think the shit I put on Twitter now is bad, you should have listened to the early <laughs> podcast, Friends Fantasy Benefits. Um, uh, but if, if, and I also wanted to give my family a little anonymity. I sure. didn't realize my yeah. wife would troll me relentlessly on Twitter. <laughs> um, and if I were to do it all over again, I'd just use my real last name. Um, yeah. But I can't walk it back now because mm, I am mm-hmm. tied to my brand of Justin Mason. Um, and that's what people know me. If I started going by my actual last name, people would be like, who the Fart! fuck is this guy? <laughs> I, am so, I allowed to swear? Or are you guys going to bleep it out? No, yeah, no. Well, I mean, we, you, our, our, our bleep is I have a clip of Hawk Harrelson saying mercy and that I just pasted over everything. Beautiful. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, great. Uh, no, let, yeah. Let it loose. I'm, I swear, I swear like a sailor. So, um, yeah, yeah speaking I, of speak. Oh, sorry. Of, I, I was, I wanted sorry, to clarify. Sorry. So, I wanted oh, to, yeah. sorry. I wanted to clarify something I, I had said. 
So what I think I what I actually meant is not necessarily that you do an impression of somebody you come across as inauthentic, but I think it's hard to stand out if you're not if you are authentically just yourself and just fully you and you put you in everything that you do, then your stuff stands out because nobody else is you. It's, and that makes your writing write well that too. Yeah, if you kind of if you pigeonhole yourself as you typecast yourself as soon as you enter the the industry, then yeah, it's kind of hard to grow beyond that. I but, think people yeah. are afraid of you know what we were talking about. I don't know if we were recording yet, but uh, you know the imposter syndrome is that they don't feel yeah. like they're good enough. Oh yeah, and and they'll be accepted as themselves, and so they try to be. You know, Eno Saris, they try to be uh, Tristan Cogroth, yep. they try to be these people. And the problem is, there's a reason why those people have gotten to where they're at is because they're really effing good. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and it's really hard to be them. Like, I'm never gonna like, I took over for Eno on the sleeper on the bus. Yeah. And like, if like, whenever my ego gets too big, I just go and look through my reviews on on itunes and i can see how many oh people my go, god justin's not eno um <laughs> but i knew that like when coming in taking over for eno like that people were going to be upset because i'm not eno right. but i'm not eno like that's like, right and not, you should nobody even, you is shouldn't, like yeah you, you shouldn't know, try to be you know right eno, as you know as, yeah as as you said you do have your own brand and yeah and speaking of speaking of that brand i do want to ask as someone who's really like i'm mostly on the outside looking in with fantasy stuff i tend to be more of just like a straight baseball person but um what is the deal so i don't know about like what the history of this what is the deal with those shirts um I, I don't know dude may or may not have your face on them there I, are a I, lot i don't think we're using the video right no right. no we're not no. so you guys get to see the just amazing um i honestly uh so Ke- kenny kenneth cashman kenny um who, who runs rotoware is rotoware um he uh when when he first got started like he had a great business idea and marketing idea what he did was he went to a bunch of people in the fantasy industry and he said listen i love your work um i'd love to just send you a free shirt you don't have to do anything for it i just love to send it to you and he would send people in the industry free shirts and so people started talking about it um some and and he followed everybody on you know twitter and stuff and interacted with them and uh and um because he followed me he saw just the bs that me and my wife would throw out there uh, and like I said, I'm unabashedly me. I tell stories. I, mm-hmm. um, you know, talk about what's going on in my real world. Uh, and he found a lot of things I said amusing and just started making shirts about them. Um, I, I don't know why. Like, I wasn't like a necessarily a big name or anything like that in the industry when he started doing it. Um, and it, it just, you know, after the first, you know, few, I think he just found it funny to himself. There's like um, and I and there's like seriously like a whole collection now. Yeah, I mean, there's like got to be shirts. Yeah, yeah. It's... There's so many. <laughs> um, and like I know he doesn't sell many of them other than to me. <laughs> like I buy them. Do you uh, ever? I have to ask. Do you ever? Because like if you just wear them out in public, does anybody ever make the connection of just like that's his face? Like <laughs> absolutely. Um. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. I mean. Oh, and sometimes it's like, oh, cool. Where can I get one like that? And I tell them, and I'm like, but you can't get your own face. 
I'm an actual, like, <laughs> they think this is something that I've done, right? Because right. why would, like, uh, you know, to, you know, I mean, <laughs> to a very small section of the world, <laughs> I, I'm a celebrity, right? To people right. who play yeah. fantasy baseball and listen to fantasy baseball podcasts. Um, so it's even smaller than just fantasy baseball, right? Yeah. Um, people know who I am, right? I'm a recognizable figure. But to everybody else in the world, I'm nobody. Right. Um, yeah. And so that when they see my face on my shirts, they're just like, "Huh, that that's cool. Where can I get where can I get a shirt like that for me?" Um, and I have to kind of explain, "No, I I'm a podcaster. This guy makes shirts of me, um, it, you know." And uh, or or people just like they don't get it. Like I was in Costco. Yeah. Uh, a few weeks back, and I was wearing the um, the the Freemason, the Justin Freemason mm, mm -hmm. T-shirt, and the guy started talking to me. A guy started talking to me about the Freemasons, oh. um, <laughs> and I went, "Oh, this is a poor life decision in terms of what I'm wearing." Uh, or, or the, the, just the, the, the you get a big T-shirt with a pyramid and an eye on top of it, and you'll yeah. get yeah. fewer questions. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, or the, like twice I have shown up to Home Depot to buy stuff wearing the one that says justin mason in like the home depot lettering uh and it's an orange shirt and people just coming up to me asking me questions like oh my and, god and, and like sometimes it's like i i just i you know i'm just like listen i i don't work here i just made a poor decision in wearing this shirt today um and then showing up to home depot and then there were times where i just said eh, fuck it i'm gonna help you with your home <laughs> even though i don't know it yeah like, i have yeah, no yeah. idea like oh what i'm God. doing but well, i can help there's... you pick out a, a you know trash compactor today. Yeah, yeah there's a whole long explanation you also have to launch into where you're like look first of all this is my name but it's not actually my name this is the name i use because i write about fantasy sports and like some people know me and then this one guy decided to make t-shirts with my face on it and that's why i'm wearing this and yeah. <laughs> probably confuses the person. shit out of the actual right, right. whereas you could just be like yeah like, it's um it's aisle 17 <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah sometimes you just don't want to have the conversation especially right, if right. you're in a rush you just be you know just you know oh i don't work in this part of the store I, I yeah i'm just over here right now or like a home depot uh, yeah, employee I'm, is like that's like a home oh, depot oh, fanboy there, there have been plenty of times where like i walk by someone in home depot and who works there and they're like oh okay wait that doesn't say home depot on it. okay <laughs> yeah, um so yeah it's just you know sometimes i need to be a little bit smarter about the decisions in terms of like what i'm wearing out uh, like, especially with like the one with the picture of Eno murdering me, I can't wear that to like <laughs> preschool um, and stuff. Uh, uh, but oh my it's, God. I honestly, I have no idea. Like, I've thought about having Kenny on a podcast just to explain it, but I think it's a little bit more funny just to not know why yeah. it's happening. Yeah. Um, because like, I don't even have any creative control over any of it. Yeah, they um, just they just show up. They just happen. They, and... they just all of a sudden, I get tagged in a manifest. photo. And uh, whenever yeah, the inspiration yeah, strikes, exactly. Um, and you know, it, it's just like I don't know if you've seen whenever Eno or someone else posts like a picture of their food, like he'll just randomly throw, he'll randomly throw like the Mason face somewhere in the picture, <laughs> to Photoshop it in. I just randomly get tagged. I'm go, okay, well, what are we looking at today? Like, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's it it. I think it's just funny to him. 
um, which it makes it you know, fun. That's it great. makes it fun for me, and it's been, you know, uh, it it's been really great branding for me. Um, you know. Oh, I mean, oh my God! Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Like I, I mean, I go to, you know, I was telling a story about going to first pitch Arizona for the first time in in 2019, and and there were people like who like walked up to me and said hi and stuff and or introduced themselves and like like oh okay that's who that is right like i had never met like certain people i'd never met rob silver i'd heard rob silver's voice you Dude, know yeah um, yeah that would be um, really interesting to meet like all of these people that i interact yeah. with on twitter all of the time or yeah. that you listen to on podcasting or on podcast, their voices yeah. and mm-hmm. like but you've never actually seen them in person and stuff yeah um you know and most people don't sound what they look like and the video is coming along more and more and we're starting to see, okay, these are what these people look like, but it can be a little jarring. I didn't have, like people didn't have that issue with me. Like people knew who I was. <laughs> like it was just, they, because they knew what the Mason face looked like. Oh, there's Justin Mason. Yeah. Um, you know? And so uh, it, it was, it was definitely a different experience for me. I, yeah, I can imagine. That's, that's um, funny. I, oh, total. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Because I, I was going to go on a total uh, trademarks shag and flies tangent. So we never do that here. Never, yeah, ever. Never happens. Um, no, I was just thinking because I actually had the thought the other day. So this is what episode 19 that we've done in addition to like the numerous conversations that Ben that we yeah. had outside yeah. of, of the podcast. And I was thinking to myself the other day, like sooner or later when we get to do one of these live, whenever I'm out and out in um, on the seaboard or you're for some reason out in the Midwest or whatever, for like some that. strange it's, reason. In Chicago, it's going to yeah. be, it's but like, I don't know. How tall are you? Like, cause I know <laughs> it's going to throw me off. I'm just, I'm, I have this image. I'm of you that's six like, foot right, 11. It's no, I'm literally, just kidding. <laughs> it's just this, this box on the screen and it's going to be, that's no matter you know. how often we talk, it's going to be super off putting. I know the first time yeah. we ever run into each other. That's funny. Oh. Yeah. I never, I never thought about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm like six foot tall. So Technically, I'm five eleven and three quarters, but I round that up to six foot um, because <laughs> I'm not I'm gonna saying. I'm not gonna hassle over a quarter of an inch. I'm just gonna be six foot. Um, <laughs> no, so total total tangent because you made me think of this. So this guy was talking about the Freemasons. All right, <laughs> what this and this may be a dumb question. What's the point of the Freemasons? Like right now, Being like is it just a club? Treasure, I think no, it's no, just no, a no, 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 no. I, I know, yeah, I, mean, I know what it was. <laughs> But like now, because like they're still kind of weirdly secret. Like they used to have in Maryland, there used to be this commercial that would run for the Maryland Freemason Society. Huh. And it was like this like kind of like hush hush, all these like dudes in weird outfits, like walking into a the commercial was these guys are walking into a room, and then like this old guy turns around, he's like in a top hat, and he goes like shh, and then shuts the door, and it's like Freemasons of Maryland. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like it just and and like I don't know. Like, is it just a like the Elks Club? I guess like just a yeah. Club I for, think like, it's people I to hang out. A, like, I think that's got to be kind of what it is at this point. I mean, it's just a yeah. Um, uh, because I mean, I, how old are you guys? I am thirty. Oh. Zach uh, just turned eleven. Uh, no. <laughs> so Zach, no, I'm I'm, I'm twenty five. Ben, ben may be getting no to the, depending on yeah, who you ask, but Ben may be getting to the age where. He's kind of understanding this. Zach, maybe not so much. You're still pretty young, being 12. Um, but <laughs> I don't have a fully developed frontal cortex yet. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. But We're getting there. Like there becomes a point, like in which it becomes harder and harder to like make friends as an adult. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, right? never it's, easy. Like it's. I mean, like you when you're when you're a kid, right? You're like forced into these friend circles, right? Either mm-hmm. by your parents or by school. And as, as you become an adult, it's like you you don't have these any. Like you're not forced into these situations unless once you become a parent. Then right when you become a parent, then it's like the other parents, like the kid, yeah, you know, my you kids' become, baseball team or whatever. Yeah, I, I was telling, I was telling uh, my my eldest the other day because uh, we were talking about a couple of her friends, um, and I and I said like um, they they had moved away, um, and we were talking about the potential that maybe at some point we would move to a different state. Well, can we just move to Washington, where my friends moved? Um, and I said, no, because I hate your friend's parents. <laughs> um, and if you think that I am crazy enough to relocate and then choose where I'm going based on where a friend of yours, you know, lives, you're crazy, too. Um, and so, uh, but like, <laughs> you know, so I think the secret society. It's like, aside, it's like, you know. I've made a lot of sacrifices for you as my yeah. as a parent. That's that's a, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> well, and I mean the the background story on that one is um, a different friend of hers family moved to Washington, um, and then this woman just decided to move to to the same town. Oh. And like I was like, see, you don't think that's weird, but it's crazy. <laughs> it's it's really weird. And yeah. if you think I'm going to put myself into a situation where I have to spend more time with that woman. You're crazy. Um, and also uproot everything yeah oh my god yeah i mean just I, the woman's nuts but um i think at some point you get maybe a point in life if you don't have a lot of friends you're looking for companionship you're looking for uh you know some socialization maybe you join something like the elks club or maybe you go or the free hey, the mason sound pretty cool I, i'm sure part of it is you know, I did it because my dad was in it, and you know, his. I guarantee it, that's you know? a big part of it, but um, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I've seen like the commercials for it, and like you see a car every now and then with like the the Mason symbol yeah. on the back. And I'm just like, what are these people doing? Like, they're just, I guess they're just hanging out and like, I don't know, playing pool or something. I don't, I don't know. We're gonna, <laughs> it's actually secret meetings. That's where the Illuminati really is. Is they're the Freemasons. They're just hiding I, in plain sight. I was sight. gonna say, like <laughs> I, that would be like a. I would be really nervous if someone tried to have that conversation with me because I would think like unless they they lead with like oh I'm in the Freemasons or something and this is what we do I would think that like. I'm about to be engaged in one of those like 2 a.m. bar conversations where someone mm-hmm. starts telling you about how the world is like run by a secret cabal of Jewish bankers and stuff like that. Um, you haven't thought about like, joining the masonry? Be... <laughs> that's where I would think it was going next. So I'd be yeah. like, oh my God, I'm getting out of that's, that. That's a good question. I mean, I sure Anyways, that's more, yeah. more of a thing than out where you, out near in like where you guys or where you're from, Justin and Ben, where you are, just older. Part Perhaps of the country, maybe like maybe it's maybe it's <laughs> an East Coast thing. I don't know thing. if there are Freemasons I... here. Let me. There, there you got me. Chicago Freemasons. I think there's the Scottish Druid like temple or something down the street for me actually, but I've never the actually. Scottish. Hold on. Uh, there's it's, a lot. There's a lot a, in that set. Scottish it's a, it's a, Druid. It's a, yeah, it's it's a it's another one of those it used to be secret organizations. Now they're just out and about. Like it's a, you know, some something like that. I can't. Those druids. Yeah. You know. You know. Um, um, all right. Anyway, so uh, 
pivot back off from the tangent. I just you talked about <laughs> you mentioned the Freemasons. I was like, I've always wondered about like I even heard my old boss like in hushed tones talking to his son in the office about the Masonry. I'm just like, what is going on? Apparently, like, my father's father was a Freemason. Um, huh. Uh, because after my father passed away, like going through his stuff, there was like this huge certificate. I think my father was too. So maybe technically I'm like a legacy. Like maybe I can. Get maybe you need Mormon. to join the, maybe you, Justin Mason, yeah. need to join the Freemasons. And it's, it's destiny. You picked, you picked the last name uh, Mason for your fantasy career. And that was the universe telling you, you need to join the Freemasons. Well, that was, my, seems like a ready that was made my fantasy team name. Yeah. Least. That was my father's <laughs> last name was Mason. And that was, which is why I chose it. Um, <laughs> so I wonder like maybe he was a founding, you know, like part of the founding members lineage or something. I doubt Dude, it. You, you're part of Freemason royalty. I'm just going I, I, to assume I think I that. Would, I think I would have inherited some sort of like Knights of the Templar bullshit. <laughs> or something like that if right. that was the case, I did not. So it's going to be our podcast title: is Justin Mason is the heir to the Freemasons. <laughs> yes, Justin um, is the heir to the Freemasons. Captain. There you go. Um, all right, so back back on track, as if there's ever a track on this. Yeah, podcast. I don't know where this track there's is. No, but... There's no track. It's it's an it's imaginary. Um, so you are uh, among many other things in the fantasy world. You are the creator and operator of the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, which is uh, for anyone who doesn't know this absolute monstrosity of a fantasy baseball league in which roughly between like 500 to 150,000 people uh, compete in a whole bunch of different leagues, fantasy, um, fantasy sports writers. It's, it's a lot of fun. I've done it for, this is my third year doing it. uh, And it's, it's a lot of fun, but I want to hear a little bit about how TGFBI came about and how how you ended up kind of creating this thing that that honestly I, I mean just looking at it must be logistically impossible <laughs> like how 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 do you was it i assume it didn't start this big no but how did how did it grow this big how do you manage it now uh and what was the inspiration behind uh creating it well i mean the inspiration behind creating it was uh purely selfish uh, you know i'll be honest um i uh you know when i first started doing this i was like you know i kind of aspired to get into out wars or into labor um and i was you know doing my little podcast and stuff and um and i went I'm never going to get into any of these leagues. Nobody knows who I am. No one's ever going to know who I am, um, you know, because I don't work for one of these big sites. Um, and how how do I prove that I'm just as good at this game as the Paul Sporers and the, you know, Howard Benders and, you know, the, the Ron Chandlers and like all these great people who, you know, like I, I want to show that I'm just as good as them. And I had gotten into like, you know, like leagues with other analysts, like, you know, Hey, my podcast is doing a league and I'd want to yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Um, you know, like Lenny Melnick, when I first started, like he invited me to, uh, you know, a podcast league and I, you know, and I, and I beat everybody in the league and, um, 
you know, and uh, and then the second year, um, like Anthony Aniano beat me in the league. I was like, look, I'm good at this. Like, I'm, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, 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 I, I think I, I think I can show that I'm good at this. But how, how do you get into something like that? Um, like they, you know, there's only so many spots, right? And people don't yeah. give them up. Like people don't like drop out of towers, like right. Oh Unless my god, yeah, they're in towers yeah. till they die. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so um, and same with labor. Like labor is even more, you know, exclusive and. I didn't so, know is Spore in one of those. Yeah, he's in Labor and Tower. Him and I, him and I is do uh, the Labor uh, team together. Um, huh. So uh, and then uh, Towers, he's in the uh, head-to-head uh, points. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I know. Um, I think Nick just did. Nick get into Tower this year? Or was it yeah, Alex? Yeah. yeah, both both were in. I believe both uh, Nick, of them. I believe Nick's in the same league as Paul. Uh, and okay. And um, they they created. You know, one of the things that I think. Um, I'd like to think that TGFBI had some sort of effect on this, but, uh, you know, it, it may just be tout making really smart decisions is they've added leagues recently. They said there's a ton mm. of fantasy analysts and yeah. we're not showcasing enough of them in these leagues because they, they get a lot of attention, right? They're on serious. People talk about them, you know, yeah. winning them is, is, uh, you know, a nice, you know, feather in your cap and stuff. And, um, uh, and so, uh, but for many years, there was just the AL and the NL of both Tout and Labor. And, yeah. Um, and yeah. then they added the mix and the mixed, you know, uh, auction. And, um, but for a long time, it was just those four leagues in Tout and the, in the three leagues in, in Labor. Um, and so I decided like, hey, you know what? I, I'm going to, I'm going to start my own industry league. Um, and I'm going to try to include a lot of the people who probably feel like me. Um, and, uh, one of, you know, I knew if I could get a couple big names in it, I could draw some people. Right. And so I was really good buddies with Laura Michaels, um, good buddies with Howard Bender, good buddies with Paul Sporer. And I just started like reaching out to people and said, Hey, um, you know, I'd like to put this together. Um, we'll set it up like an NFBC contest where there's the, you know, separate leagues, but there's an overall, um, you know, um, and you know, I, my hope was like, I could get 45 people to agree to do this in the first year. Uh, and I think we got 120. and wow. I was like, I was like in year Whoa. one, you had one twenty, yeah. um, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. And, and I was like, okay, uh, that's, that's awesome. Right. And yeah. like, like, um, and you know, of course, like, I think, I think I got into Tout Wars prior to the first year even kicking off. Um, when, when did it kick off? Well, when did TGFBI? This first is start? the fourth season. So. Oh, wow. I didn't realize. Okay. I, for some um, reason I thought it'd been going on longer. So no, I've no, been in it three out of four years. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Um, and you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, 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 almost since the beginning. Um, almost, almost. And you know what? I've been equally as bad every single year. I am nothing if not consistent. <laughs> I've been consistently mediocre every single year. I like you. Yep. You, you find the median yep. points of the TGFBI standings. I'm right there. Um, oh yeah, which me is, too. is super frustrating <laughs> for me. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, so and then and then. I mean, it's grown because the industry has like really like like accepted it and embraced it. Like they they've said, you know, um, you know, I, I worried about you know the tout board and you know and Steve Gardu runs labor. 
like being kind of upset like that I was like doing something like this, but the exact opposite. I mean, Steve Gardner's been in it every year. Um, the entire tout board outside, I think Ron Chandler plays every year. Um, and, uh, and they've really embraced it and helped promote it and, um, has really made it a really fun event. Uh, and, um, I think it's, it's, you know, it went from, you know, me trying using it as an opportunity to show that I'm good and that I can, that I should be allowed to play in, in things like tout wars to, uh, even though I knew I was getting into Tout Wars prior to this whole thing kind of really launching off, um, or maybe I got in right afterwards, whatever, uh, it's an opportunity to kind of showcase other people. Like there are, there are people who are extremely good players, but don't get the recognition that they deserve um, for yeah, being for so sure. good at it. And uh, I think it's really cool to kind of give those kind of people platforms um, and I, I, I'd like to think it's helped uh, increase a lot of people's platforms and help people get into other events or get jobs. I mean, you know, at other places, you know, the, the TGF by our winner last year, Kevin Hastings, now works at Pitcher List, does a podcast with Pitcher List. He does. You know, what's funny is I, I totally forgot he works at Pitcher List. We have so many employees now. Yeah, it's insane. It's, it's, I, when I first joined Pitcher List, there were, there were enough of us that we had a Facebook message group. Like there yeah. were like 15 of us and now there's like a hundred thousand. It's, it's not actually, yeah. but there's literally, I mean, there's a couple hundred, I think. Yeah. It, I think it, there's, it, it's, it's, it's insane. It's, it's, I can't keep track. There's people be like, it, yeah, he writes for pitcher list. And I'm like, he does. I know it's at a point where, um, uh, we had it, I think close to 50 people from pitcher list in TGFBI. And we only have 20, 29 leagues this year, which is amazing. It's a huge amount of leagues. Um, but like I try to not put people from the same site in the same leagues and yeah. pitcher list. And then pre in previous years, friends of fancy benefits has been, mm -hmm. um, you know, a place where it's like, Oh, I've actually got to put, you know, two guys from each site in each league just so I can, do it but right um because there's just so many of them uh yeah i mean nick is nick is spreading his seed far and wide dude oh my god he is like the johnny appleseed of uh fantasy industry it's absolutely <laughs> insane um i think one other thing that tgfbi has done uh or I, at least i know it, it did for has done for me is it's helped foster relationships with other people in the industry that you may not have yeah. previously known so like uh for example Every single year that we've uh, drafted, when we do the slow draft, we always have a group chat, mm -hmm. usually a group DM on Twitter, where we're all just kind of talking to each other, like, you know, notifying each other, like, hey, you're up in the draft or whatever. And it kind of, we end up, you know, everybody ends up following each other on Twitter and we all start talking and we all start to get to know each other. And... The, there's definitely been some people in those groups that either a I had never known before, um, but then get to know, or b people who I knew but never like had been able to like connect with in any way, and then we were able to talk and get to know each other, and uh, I think that's a huge benefit. Even if you just bomb at the league and you just suck eggs the whole time. Um, you still are making those connections. And I don't want to sound as like, like, uh, you know, 
self-serving as like it's networking. It is, but oh, but it's, it's absolutely it is, networking. and it's but it's, you're also like making friends, which which I think is is really cool because I I, I think the fantasy baseball community, uh, especially on Twitter, is certainly is not without its problems, but there are a lot of really really good people in the community and it's it's really cool to just like make friends with these people and just be able to chat with them and get to know them when you didn't even know they existed on twitter because they have you know 80 followers you just you just didn't know they were out there but they are writing about fantasy and now you know who they are so i think that's a big big advantage that tgfbi has as well i i love that part of it personally oh, I, mean, I think you know and i've said this a whole bunch and um I'm not the best analyst and I'm not the best player. Um, I'm not the best scout. Like I'm not, I'm not the best at anything necessarily, but what I've become probably really, really, really great at is, um, is networking and is, um, and, uh, and kind of building my brand, uh, as a part of that. I mean, the only reason I am where I'm at today is because, uh, you know, the help I've gotten from people in the industry that I've made connections with. Um, and, you know, and I think TGFBI is, is been, you know, huge for me, but it's been huge for a lot of other people because they've been able to do that as well. And I mean, one of the things I do try to do when I set up the leagues is make sure that each league has at least one or two kind of bigger names in it. So that yeah. way people are going, like, if you're in TGFBI, you're going to play with, you know, someone like Paul Spore or someone like right. Jason Collette or someone, you know, um, you know, uh, like Ryan Bloomfield. Like you're going to play with some of these bigger names uh, that people really recognize. Um, and because I, I want people to be connected and I want I want in every league there to be the analyst with 37 followers. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You know, yeah. um, because those are, you know, the guy who is been the best overall player in TGFBI over, you know, the four seasons has been going on is a guy that is, is super unknown is Kenyatta Storin. Um, and like, you know, but he, he's getting more well-known because he's such a good player. Like, you know, yeah. and so he works for number fire for those who, for those who don't know him. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know that I do. So I will have to, I'll have to look him. I, I always make a point of if there is a fantasy writer, um, that oh, we just lost Zach. He'll be back. Uh, if there is a fantasy writer that I don't know, if I find them on Twitter, I just follow them because I, I want to follow as many fantasy writers as I possibly can because I want to get to know them. And I think, you know, no matter who they are, everyone's going to have some kind of unique perspective on fantasy. And um, yeah, but yeah, no, networking is, is, I definitely a really cool part of um, of TGFBI. Uh, we are going to oh, and I think Zach's back. Is Zach back? Zach's he frozen. Mm. He's Let's got he's see. got a great frozen face on there. Great, right and you know what? It's not an embarrassing frozen face. Which now I'm trying to. Well, we're going to keep all of this in every yeah, single second. It makes for great radio. Um, even though this is podcasting, <laughs> is there a difference? There's no difference anymore. No, it's this, about the same. 
Podcasts there, are just the new radio shows. There's a, I mean, the, the difference is like you can go back and edit the podcast, right? So like, yeah. whereas radio, you're stuck. I, I, I did a little <laughs> yeah. bit of radio earlier on in my career doing this and it was scary as hell for me. Um, oh, so. yeah, I did. I did radio. Um, I was a DJ in college. Oh, okay. uh, I did so radio. You know. um, and yeah, I distinctly remember. <laughs> so speaking of like, uh, oh my God! We have two Zacks. Wait, no, we have two so Zach. weird. Are... <laughs> and now they're both frozen. What oh, the fuck is going on? Is... Oh, I, I, mean, I can hear you. I can hear you. Can hear I don't you. know why there's yo. I'm like, oh <laughs> my we... god! I'm about to have a goddamn aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Uh, okay, I'm we gonna will, try we'll this push one more. Are you? Are you on a? Can you hear us? Oh wait, I think. Yeah, can no, I can, hear, can you hear you. Are we on a delay? Yeah. Are we on a delay? Let's find out. Ready on the when I say three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Oh, I'm on a delay. <laughs> it's you. Interesting. Hold on. Let me. Uh, I, let I me don't refresh. think you are on a delay. I I, you don't think I'm on a delay? No. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try one more time. Ready? When I say three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Okay. It also know. it looked good to me. It looked pretty. It looks pretty, good to uh, me. Anyways, okay. we're gonna continue I, forward. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I great. was just I was it's, just thinking about oh radio radio. I, I had a funny story about when I was doing college radio. So we had this. Um, so because obviously we were a college radio station, we had you know all the FCC rules, certain words you can't say on the radio, and I really wanted to play uh, the song "Maggot Brain" by Funkadelic. <laughs> Which is a brilliant song. It's like 10 minutes. Absolutely <laughs> incredible 10-minute guitar solo, basically. But it starts with an intro in which George Clinton uh, says, Mother Earth. Mother Earth and I'm going to paraphrase it because I'm going to get it wrong. Mother Earth is knocked up for the third time. <laughs> or no, Mother Earth is something y'all done knocked her up for the third time. Something, something, something. And he says, drowning in my own shit. And I'm like, cool, we're on a seven second delay. I'll just bleep that part out. Well, I didn't know how the delay worked uh, <laughs> properly. So, and because, you know, the word was drawn out, I didn't hold the button down long enough. So, what ended up happening, what came over the radio was, was the shit and the tip. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. I accidentally started it before. Oh. So, it was, it was just, that was just emphasized. Like it was like drown in <laughs> and I was just like, oh no! Luckily, like nobody noticed, but I was like, pan. I was a freshman. This is like I'm like panically like, oh, they're gonna come. Like FBI, open up. We heard yeah. you. We heard you used a bad word on the radio. <laughs> I, I love doing radio, but I mean the fact that it's live that you can't take it back. Um, that lots of people are hearing it uh, just scares yeah. the crap out. Still, this day scares <laughs> yes. crap out of me when I do like radio spots. And I did a radio show with Laura Michaels uh, for a couple of years on FNTSY. Um, and uh, and one time we were we were in the middle of a segment, and his power went off at his house. Um, <laughs> oh man! And all of a sudden, I'm by myself. Now there are some people who are amazing at being solo guys, like Paul Storer yeah. when he when he does. The podcast, a solo podcast, I can't record or he just decides to do one. Like he's great at it. Like there's other people in the industry that are really, really good. Scott Chu 
you know, uh, who works for me at Friends of Fantasy Benefits, works at Pitcher List. Like, he can yeah. do a solo pod and do a really, really good job. Yes, he can. I, yeah, I've heard of I, I'm not one of those people. Like, I just, <laughs> and it may just be I need more practice. I uh, need to get out of my head a little bit. But uh, when that power went off and I was by myself on oh my live God. radio with I don't know how many, you know, tens of thousands of people, like, I absolutely choked. Uh, oh, my producer my had to come on to the radio <laughs> with me and BS with me for a while. And it was uh, it was it was atrocious. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, it was uh, it was really <laughs> uh, so. that's that's hilarious. Yeah, no, the live stuff that that definitely scares me. I got used to it when I was doing college radio, mostly because I convinced myself that no one was listening. Um, and uh, and I kind of get used to it, but still, just doing live stuff, yeah, it can be freaky. But anyways, I'm going to move forward to the next section of the podcast where we talk a little bit more. Um, we've been talking a good bit, of, a little bit about baseball, but more specifically baseball, the sport, and why you love baseball. So the question we ask to every single guest, what is it about baseball specifically that you love? There are a lot of sports out there that you could love and uh and i'm i'm sure you are a fan of other sports but what is it specifically about the sport of baseball that is unique to you that 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 you love well see i've got a little bit different take on this than i'm sure other people have said because i did not really grow up a baseball fan um oh interesting yeah you are actually honestly i would say most of the time the answer to this question is i uh list i watched baseball as a kid yeah that's usually the answer yeah um i played a little baseball as a kid and i was pretty good at it but um i found the sport pretty boring and once i found full contact sports uh, I was like, oh, no, this is what I, I want to hit someone like, you know, um, I don't, <laughs> um, and, and I, when I'm watching the sport, I want to watch someone hit someone. Um, right. Right. And so, like, I, I, you know, became a football player. I played lacrosse. Um, if I had been able to figure out skating, I probably would have played hockey. Um, <laughs> but I not don't have that kind of balance. Apparently, Lacrosse in, in my in my youth, lacrosse was the devil's sport. As far as my parents were concerned in, in the state of Maryland, which uh, our state sport is lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this weird rivalry between the lacrosse and baseball kids um, because I think partially because they ran during the same season. So a lot of the you had to make a decision. Do you do baseball or lacrosse? And for whatever reason, in our area, all the lacrosse kids used to like talk trash about how terrible baseball is. And it just became this thing because I grew up in a baseball family. My my mother to this day, like refers to lacrosse as the devil's sport. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like my my five year old was like playing with some other kid in the park in our neighborhood. And the kid was playing with a lacrosse stick and my <laughs> my son was doing pretty well with it. And I told my mom, she's like, oh. Don't tell me he has a knack for lacrosse. Yeah. <laughs> Black's dead. Oh, get the yeah, ready. Yeah. I know. I know. But I love lacrosse. I mean, it's it a looks fun like sport. a lot of fun. Honestly, it's expensive though. Uh, oh, I mean, really? Yeah, because I mean, those sticks are super expensive oh, and they break. Crap. So, like, yeah, I mean, if you can push right, them, I'll guide him baseball, away from lacrosse. <laughs> yeah, you might want to it, because it's, yeah. it's not a cheap. It's not a cheap sport. Um, oh man! But uh, yeah, I mean, so for me, like. I actually, I mean, I remember like watching a little bit of baseball because I mean, I grew up in in the DC area during kind of like 
when Cal Ripken was breaking the streak and stuff like that. You know, get that yeah, the man. And so, like, and the Orioles were still kind of good, uh, but they were way, way back when. Oh. But I lived like far enough away where it wasn't easy for me to get to a game. Like, it wasn't like you know, had right, the Nationals right. been DC, like I could have taken the subway there or something like that. Yeah. But you couldn't take the subway from you know DC or Northern Virginia to to you know Camden at that time. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if you can now at this point. Uh, it's been Not really. No, the further the closest you can get on the metro is uh, uh, New Carrollton, which is still like an hour yeah, drive. Mm-hmm. from baltimore so yeah, yeah so yeah so it's still uh it's kind of like it was when i was living there so yeah um like i didn't have the ability to like really watch it in person so i didn't like fall in love with it as a kid um i when i moved to northern california uh when i was 15 um my 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 father the guy who i call my father my my mother's first cousin um uh he decided to join a fantasy baseball league he was a huge giants fan um and he was like hey you want to do this with me? Uh, and I was like, okay, sounds like fun. You know, he was going to pay the entry fee. Um, so like, so I didn't have any skin in the game and I, you know, I'll try it out. And I fell in love with the game of fantasy baseball. Um, and uh, wow. Wait, you were 15. How, what year was that? It was 2000. So you're like, this is like, not like kind of OG fantasy baseball. Like, not like '90s, like you know, pen and paper fantasy baseball, but this is definitely like early. Fantasy yeah, baseball, so like, right? there's I mean, the platforms. Like, yeah, we were using CBS, yeah. so like there was still the internet platform and stuff. But like, yeah, okay, nobody brought a computer to the draft table. Like the mm-hmm. the first yeah. time somebody did that, people we had to have a discussion <laughs> on whether or not that was allowed. Um, <laughs> you know, people brought That's pen funny. and paper to the draft table, mm-hmm. uh, and um. And like uh, we were still using the old four by four rules when I started. Uh, oh wow! Playing. I think two thousand one was my first season because I moved there in two thousand. But the season it was it was the it was the following season um, that I played. So I mean this will I think my this is my twentieth season playing. Um, but I fell in love with the game of fantasy, um, and uh, you know we got the crap beaten out of us the first year, um, and uh, and I went. Um, and cause the, the thing about me is I'm a competitor and it doesn't matter what it is. I want to win every game I play. Uh, I want, and I want to prove to you, I'm better than you at everything I do. Um, it's, <laughs> I, I have a huge ego uh, yeah, yeah. and I don't like to lose, you know, I'm, I'm the person that like, you know, playing basketball with my kids, I'm just blocking the shots just nonstop. <laughs> just or, dunking you on know, them. Um, my wife lets my kids win at board games, and I'm like, I'm like, nope, like nope. You you will not beat me at Monopoly. Um, uh, oh my god! You know, I'm I'm that kind of parent um, and that kind of person. <laughs> and so I wanted to get really good at fantasy baseball because I was playing this, you know, in this league. Uh, and the only way you're going to become good at fantasy baseball is by watching baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. so I started watching baseball and I started learning about the game. And, uh, you know, my throughout high school when I was playing and then like my first years out of high school, I, I was competitive, but I wasn't like really like going the extra mile because I had other things going on. Right. You know, I was, you know, partying with my friends and, and you know, and, and doing school and then I was in the army and then, you know, but after I got out of the yeah. army uh, and after I got sober, like all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I'm not partying. Now I don't have school. Like now I'm going to really focus on 
on learning how to play fantasy baseball and um and that and 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 in turn started watching a ton of fantasy baseball or watching regular baseball uh and that's when i really started falling in love i mean i was more of a football fan to be quite honest until Mm. about probably seven or eight years ago um so what what uh what changed with the football fandom um I think because uh, it, weirdly enough, even though I played high school and I even tried to play a little bit of college football, um, uh, and because I was I was a pretty good player, um, when I started doing the fantasy analysis and friends fantasy benefits, we do all the sports. Uh, uh, I somehow got known as a baseball guy, mm. um, and and so instead of fighting that and going, no, I'm a football guy too, or I played football at a high level, like yeah. like I really know the sport and how to play it. Um, instead of like really like fighting that, I kind of went, I guess I'm kind of a baseball guy. Um, and so I really started putting and I mean, it helps that I got a job at Fangraphs that pays yeah, yeah. money. And like, yeah. it's like now I'm getting paid. So it becomes a job. And so right. I need to put in more. But I mean, I, I was I was telling Paul uh, Spore earlier today before a podcast, and we, I just don't have the the love of football that I once did hmm. for the fantasy game or just in general, um, because baseball is just kind of taken over and i just love the little yeah kind of the the little parts of baseball that the average fan doesn't understand like how a pitcher and a catcher sequences and at bat yep. um you know how a manager actually calls a game like there, there are things you know um you know how a, how a batter tries to you know figure out how a pitcher is going to attack them like these are things that once I started learning about um, is been just kind of, it's just so interesting to me, the, the psychology of it, the strategy of it. Um, and I kind of fell in love in that regards. That's really interesting. Yeah. You're definitely the first person we've had who, um, who didn't say like, I grew up watching baseball, but that's a really interesting path. And w- would you say you kind of pivoted toward, it sounds like you were, you know, instead of balancing instead of trying to do both fantasy football and fantasy baseball analysis which is hard like <laughs> i i still i think this year i might i, I write for qb list mm-hmm. our fantasy football site and fantasy football is the first fantasy sport i fell in love with and and i still do love it but like man when it's late mid late august early September and you're doing both. It's a nightmare. Like it is an oh, absolute night. And I used to do for the past couple of years. I've done this fantasy football column where I do cornerback wide receiver matchups to like take advantage of and stuff. And like, there's a lot of research involved in that and I'm still doing baseball stuff. And the more I've done it, the more I realize, like the more I understand why someone like Matthew Barry decided to like stop balancing the two. Cause God, I mean, on the tiny little platform that we have, imagine like that amplified mm-hmm. where you're trying to balance baseball and football. It's, you know, you never sleep. So there's, there's yeah. only so much you can keep up with, especially, yeah. I mean, at least Matthew Barry has the, the added benefit of that is his her full-time job. Yes. Right? You know, absolutely. like yeah. I, I can understand how Jeff Erickson does baseball, football, golf, yeah. uh, because that's his full-time job, right? Like he's yeah. only doing that. Um, for us, you know, who, who have full-time jobs, um, and then, you know, you add in some of us who have like families, um, yep, yep. 
it becomes harder and harder to do really well, right? I mean, right, right. You could definitely half-ass it. Yeah, you could totally just half-ass it. But then, like, what's the point? Because there was a there was a point in which I was writing daily baseball for fan drafts, uh, podcasting for you know Friends of Fantasy Benefits, and writing at Friends of Fantasy Benefits, um, and then also writing daily baseball at Fantasy Alarm, and then football at Fantasy Alarm. And oh the God. article I did for football at Fantasy Alarm was like it was a whole breakdown of the of the week to come. Had to be out on Wednesday. Had to cover yeah. every fantasy viable player in every game. And now I went a little overboard, as sometimes I tend to do. And so these articles would be anywhere from 10 to 20,000 words um, oh each God. week for 17 weeks, right? Well, uh, into the playoffs, too. So, um, though, obviously, uh, you know, covering less games in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and like, and it has to be in by Wednesday. Like, so it's like, you know, I'm starting. You know, on, you know, I'm starting really Sunday night. I'm starting like to do the work for Wednesday, um, you know, to write, you know, 10 to 20,000 words on the games coming up. Um, and it was just a bear. Like, and, uh, and like, don't get me wrong, at some point, I, you know, there's part of me that would love to get back into football uh, and doing football because I do love the game and I love playing fantasy football. Um, but baseball pays my bills and it's the, it's mm. the exact opposite problem that a lot of other analysts have because a lot of other analysts, right. they're getting paid by football. Um, oh yeah, for sure. That's definitely uh, the bigger market. So I can see you know, it's interesting that you had the reverse problem. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of people like, um, you know, there was a time in which, uh, I don't know if you remember pod Vader from the old fantasy. Oh, I, so yeah, I was a huge I was a huge fantasy focus fan in my early mm-hmm. uh, fantasy days. That was like the first podcast I got into. So the the Nate Matthew Berry days was like yeah. that was like the yeah, golden that, age for me. It yeah. was. I mean, that was the best pod fantasy podcast that oh, had ever been there. Absolutely, um, yeah. You know when they were doing football and baseball uh, yeah. together. Um, I mean, it just was amazing. And and he had reached out to me when he left there, and he went on to uh, to Blog Talk Radio. Um, hmm. He was trying to get me to move my podcast over to blog talk and he was talking to me and stuff and he goes well you know how are your numbers for for your sports and i said well baseball is our flagship you know that's the one we do the best and he was like what (laughs) that's that doesn't make any sense football should be your flagship i was like no baseball is what we're popular for it's what we're known for um it just i don't know how it happened i just i became known as a baseball guy um, which is fine. I love baseball, but it, it, it definitely yeah. entrenched me into baseball, uh, you know, much more so than football. And, you know, because of that, like, you know, I'm doing football drafts right now. And like, uh, you know, the first time I actually have to look first. it up. Like, I don't know. Oh my God. I... And yeah. like, it's, uh, like, you know, you get to the 20th round of football draft and I'm like, I don't know anybody anymore. Oh my God. I had this exact problem literally yesterday. No, today I had a guy DM me on Twitter and, and I, I'm, I always, I love, you know, people DM me on Twitter for fantasy advice all the time. And I have no problem with that at all. I'm always happy to give it. And I had a guy DM me for fantasy football advice. And he was like, Hey man, I got offered this trade in my dynasty or in a keeper league or whatever. What do you think? And it was involving a uh, um, this guy <laughs> who 
whoever the the rookie running back for the Jets from North Carolina, that guy whose name I'm blanking on. Mike, last Michael time. Carter Jr. Michael Carter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Carter. So Williams? he was. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So you mentioned him in the trade, and I'm just like, who is this guy? I have no idea who he's talking about. And then I Googled it and I was like, oh, okay, okay. I see who this is. Did a little bit of research and then was able to form like an informed opinion. But like when I'm doing, when I'm doing both, I've found for me, I feel like I can only heavily focus on one because if I'm like in baseball mode, you might as well be talking a foreign language when you start talking about football players. So I'm like, I don't even know whose team this is on. Like, I just don't, I don't have the brain capacity to do it. And the same is the reverse when I'm in football mode. And then it's like, it's like, all right, baseball preseason. I'm like, I don't even know what baseball is. Like what are, yeah. what and see, I, I've gotten <laughs> to a point because of my profile and um, just how much I put into baseball and stuff where you know, I think for a lot of people, baseball runs from, you know, January, beginning of January or Super Bowl yeah. um, up until, you know, end of September, you know, right. Playoffs yep. start and then people take a break. Right. And then they, yep. you know, start back up whenever they start back up. I don't end. Um, and yeah. so, like, uh, for instance, I'm in my first draft for 2022 right now. um and uh it's a three sport league so it has to draft now because it it has baseball football basketball oh you're in one of those uh yeah Mm -hmm. one of those i've done those before but i've now you know i've already started to compile my ranks for the 2022 season and this is the beginning now for me to start prepping for the next season and this and this is now how i roll and because like you know going back to you know talking about that football article i did like sometimes i just I take things a bit too far. I can't take things a bit too far on two sports anymore. Um, yeah, and I can do it on one, um, and even that is pushing it. I probably should at some point learn how to tone it down a little bit. But I'm also, you know, I'm not gifted with the type of brain that some other people in the industry are. Right? Like I can't look at stats the way you know, like Alex Fast or Alex Chamberlain or anybody named Alex apparently can <laughs> all the Alex's. Um, yeah. And spit things out. I can't watch a pitcher the way Nick watches a pitcher or the way, Eno watches a pitcher and go, okay, you know, this is what they're trying to do. This is, you know, what they're doing to make this kind of movement, um, you know, and, and, and re- retain all of that. And so for me, in order to compete with guys like that, not to say we're in like direct competition or anything, but just to to be like considered on someone's level like that sure. uh, without having those natural gifts that they have. Um, I have to work harder than other people. Um, That's so have, interesting. I, yeah. I have to yeah. put in more hours. And so yeah. like, you know, when most people in October are watching baseball for the hell of it, right. They're watching because right. they enjoy the game. They're, they're watching the playoffs. Um, and a lot of them tune out like the analysis part from October till January yeah. till February. Um, I'm in my office till three or four o'clock in the morning. Every wow. Day. Wow. Um, uh, and I am looking things up. I'm trying to find trends. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find edges. I'm trying to find ways to, you know, not just keep up with people, but pass people obviously um, because I have to, in order to, uh, 
in order to compete at the level that other people can. So see, I'm um, I'm amazed that because one of the one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately, um, and and Zach, I want to get your thoughts on this too because this has been something I've been thinking about a lot for like the past like two or three weeks, is I feel like every every baseball every fantasy baseball season, I get to a point in the season where I feel kind of kind of burnt out a little bit in that like the, the inevitably at some point in like late July I get into this headspace where I'm just like this is none of this matters this is stupid it's taking up my time I don't feel like it I don't feel like putting in the effort I want to do this like just I get into this headspace where like no matter how much I love this game and I do there's like two weeks where I'm just like, I hate this. I hate it. I hate it so much. And then something kicks me back into gear. So like for this year, past like couple weeks, I haven't, I haven't written hardly anything. I have a weekly column. I just do that, but I haven't written any like interesting, like deep dive pieces that I love to write. And it's because I've just been like in this like space of like, I don't care. And, and then I did, I hosted uh, our AMA that we do on Reddit every Friday. Nick was, off doing a live stream with Paul and, and I hosted it and I started answering, answering fantasy questions and that like kicked me back into gear. And I was like, Oh yeah, I really like doing this. And then it, it set me straight, but that happens every single year. And I don't do a 15th of the amount of work that <laughs> you're doing. So it, it's, it, it's amazing that I do wonder, do you struggle with not necessarily burnout in the sense that like just, Working a lot causes burnout because I'm sure you get that. Anybody gets that as as hard as you work. But do you ever get kind of baseball burnout where you're just like, God, I'm just tired to talk about baseball. Like, do do you ever struggle with that? Or are you just like baseball all the time? Like, that's awesome. Um, I definitely get the like the workload burnout. Uh, You know, especially like, for instance, I, I went back and started working a fantasy alarm doing DFS content earlier this year. And um, about two months into the season, I went, I, I can't do this anymore. Like yeah. I was, I was up till three or four o'clock every morning. Um, and, uh, and like, at some point, like I, you know, I was causing issues with my wife because I was never around. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I had to make a decision like, Hey, how much is how much like getting paid for a job is actually worth doing the job. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I talked to, you know, my boss, Howard Bender at fantasy alarm said, listen, you know, I got some stuff going on in my life and um, I, I need to, I need to tone it down a little bit and, um, and kind of took a step back, but like in terms of like baseball, no, I don't. I just, I mean, that's, and that's I, fine. I, good for you. That's awesome. I, I, I love to talk about baseball. Um, and, uh, I think it helps that, uh, I'm at a point where I have really good jobs and people around me, um, that really, you know, like working with Paul is in, like, and I hope he doesn't listen to this because I, I hate for him to actually I think I like, you like him. Um, but guarantee like, you he won't. <laughs> he's like the easiest person to work with. And I know like some people like don't like Paul, like they think, or or and some people have said, like, right, Paul's right. mean to you. Like, like Paul <laughs> and I are like really, really good friends. And when we get to podcast yeah. together twice a week, and then like Jason and I, same thing when I podcast with him, 
um like we're really good friends like outside of just baseball and fantasy and working together and so like when i get to sit down with them for an hour or two hours it's just hanging out with my friends and baseball is the main topic like you know that's um, literally I, like the the uh, excuse for this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's just to hang out and talk. <laughs> and, and that, like, to me, like, I, you know, uh, like, I don't have a lot of real life friends anymore. Like, my friends are now on the internet and uh, they're on Twitter, podcasts friends, yeah. and Twitter, and uh, especially because of the pandemic. Like, I've been just stuck at home for a year and a half, uh, and so like, it's you know, baseball is my hobby now. It's my, it's, it's my, it's my release from the real world. So yeah. I don't yeah. ever necessarily feel like, um, mm-hmm. I'm burnt out on baseball. I definitely get burnt out on the work and like, you know, because, um, I, I still to this day have a really hard time saying no, uh, to you and me both. And, um, <laughs> when someone, and I'm also the person the kind of person where my, my gears are always turning. Like, what can I do next? Like how, you know, so a lot of people are like, Oh, with TGFBI, like you, you know, and, um, and fan graphs and friends of fantasy benefits, you know, like you, your hands, you must be so like overloaded and you must, hands must be full with just stuff to do. But I'm always thinking about the next project and the next thing I want to do. And, um, and, uh, and that gets me in trouble a lot too, because, I don't have an unlimited amount of time. Dude, I, I don't know if you've ever taken the Enneagram before, if you've ever even heard of it. Um, it's this it's this super like ancient old personality test, but it's a little mm-hmm. bit more than that. And but there's <laughs> are nine types it's really cool. I love it. But there oh, are nine types of yeah, 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 yeah there are nine types of personalities. And dude, you are the uh, you should take it sometime because I guarantee you're gonna get like hundred percent three, which is the achiever. It's the person who is always like, okay, there's this thing I want to do. How do I, how do I monetize that? How do I achieve something with that? How do I, uh, you know, I, I, my, a lot of your self-worth, I'm a three as well. A lot of your self-worth is tied to your achievements. What do I do? I have to do things. I can't be sitting still. I have to be doing and, and making see, things. My wife would tell you that that is not who I am. I'm just this way in this area in just this one little space that's so interesting (laughs) um like i just um you know one of the uh like character traits of or of an alcoholic of of an addict um is uh extreme focus on something to the detriment Mm. of the world around you Um, i've heard that yeah and and that's i in many ways traded addictions for alcoholism and drug addiction for fantasy baseball and sports and um and because i can you know i can sit in my office for you know i, I did what a 12-hour live stream for potapalooza that's true um, yeah you did you know where i just sat and talked baseball for 12 straight hours with people um and it didn't matter what else was going on around me and, and yeah. i mean i can uh Whereas, like, if you look, I mean, you can see my office. Like, I can, you know, I can like move my like. You can just see I, the disaster. I'm that not is gonna lie. I, I have always thought that was your garage. It's, you got it's, water? it's like a it's a shed. Um, yes. Well, I quit drinking energy drinks, so now I have to stock up on water. Oh, there you um, go. 
and we're both. in a drought here in California. So, uh, you know, um, in eminently logical yeah. answer to, to my to my sarcastic <laughs> part. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just one of those people that I get very, very tunneled vision on on certain things. And I and I can completely block out the world. And, and fantasy baseball has become one of the outlets where that is productive like at least it's not video games or not that i i mean i love playing video games too but like um you know it's somewhere i can uh just kind of just kind of totally block out the world and um and kind of and kind of uh do just do one thing and do it well and um and and my and my efforts have been rewarded uh yeah yeah that's that's so hmm. that's fascinating um so I do want to uh, uh, push forward a little bit with a couple more baseball questions before we get to our final section. So I kind of want to rattle off a couple baseball questions really quickly. Um, one, I know you are a San Francisco Giants fan. Yes. Do you have a favorite Giants player, like all-time favorite player? Oh, all-time favorite player. So, I mean – I think most people my age would probably like lean towards like Barry Bonds or, or Rich Aurelia or something. Sure. Um, even like Tim Linscombe for me, because I didn't become a Giants fan until I was in my teens. Right. Like I don't, I don't have like real recollections of a lot of the older school of players maybe that yeah. uh, I probably should. Like my favorite player was Hunter Pence. Um, uh, I always loved Hunter Pence. He never got enough credit for being yeah, Hunter Pence as, as he was. Um, he was he just, just so much. Yeah, he just retired. Um, I think. Yeah, I was just telling Paul. I think he's going to end up being in the booth in San Francisco uh, at some mm-hmm. point here in the near future. He's he's actually really good calling games and stuff like that. Um, but there was hmm. just something about how much he loved to play the game because uh, he wasn't the most physically like gifted player, right? But right. He just uh, and he did things so awkwardly, like the mechanics of like his swing were just like befuddling at times um, or even how he played, you know, defense in the outfield and right field in San Francisco, which is a tricky place to play. Uh, but he just, he made it all work and he had just a blast doing it. Like, I think he was one of those guys that if he physically could have, he would have played till he was 50. Um, yeah. Just cause yeah, he just definitely. loved the game. Uh, and I just, I just love watching him play. And so he, yeah, definitely my favorite player. I, I, I once said he was my spirit animal. Um, (laughs) he yeah he was he's a guy who would like just grind it out and like hit with a good average and go 20 20 and like just and totally under the radar what that's what will always stick with me is is the batting stance and throwing motion i would just i love that's my fate with brick gardner is kind of like this too but he's not any fun to root for as opposed to hunter pence but like baseball like hunter pence he threw hunter pence throws the baseball like the kid who shows up to tryouts like freshman year of high school like and you're like are you wearing jeans dude like (laughs) that's how he throws and that's how he bats except he was just incredible for 10 years it was uh, those are the kind of players that i I could imagine him being good in the booth i've never listened to him but i can Uh, imagine he he, because i mean the giants have one of the best broadcasting teams in all of baseball if you've never listened to them uh definitely go go check it out but uh, you know, two of the guys, Kirk and Kipe, these are probably their last year. Um, you know, uh, Kuiper is, uh, was diagnosed with cancer, uh, and is fighting that. And, and Kirk has had uh, a degenerative physical illness for a number of years. And so it seems like this is last year. And so he came in, um, and did like a guest spot, uh, as the, as the color guy, 
um, and was really, really good. Um, and so I think him and Jeremy Affelt will likely take over uh, next mm. year as part of the booth of John Warren. Oh, Jeremy Affelt. Jeremy, Jeremy Affelt is like I did a uh, I did an article on the weirdest injuries in baseball history and oh. like Jeremy Affelt was like the hero of that article because like he had like 3 of them mm-hmm. um but the one uh the one I remember the most it wasn't even an injury there was a story about I don't know if you ever heard the story about um how he saved his dog's life his dog was choking on something and um, yeah. So, so, <laughs> so this is 2018. His dog was choking on some food and basically died. Like according to Affelt, just straight up died. And uh, he, Affelt then like took his hand and shoved his hand down the dog's throat and ripped the food out of the dog's throat the dog woke up, uh, coughed up, and then died, like started coughing and then died again. So then Jeremy Affelt gave the dog mouth to mouth like a hero and brought Your the mouth doesn't dog even cover back. the like how, uh, I don't know. Like, he gave his dog mouth to mouth. What part is it saved the... his dog's life? I, <laughs> like <laughs> The man was that was just one of the most incredible. This was yeah, this is like four years ago. It was a wild uh but no, his injuries like what was the one he um he like was trying to separate two frozen burger patties with a knife. Oh, I remember just, this. Yes, yeah. He needed surgery uh-huh. to repair nerve damage. Uh and then there Which was we've one we've all done, right? We've, right, all, we've all done <laughs> like the stupid um like as much as crap as we give people like trevor bauer for like hurting himself while playing with his drone or right uh you know jeff kent you know you know washing his car or, uh Jonas Cespedes like fighting hogs or whatever fighting a, fighting a boar yeah <laughs> yeah um like we've all done like these really stupid things that end up getting us injured i remember like one time i was like fixing like uh um I was picking like a spigot on the side of my house and um, and like, I didn't know how to like do it. And so I was just duct taping it up. Um, and I, I took the X-Acto blade to cut the duct tape and I like cut open my hand um, oh, and like, yeah. like had to like, r- like rush to Walgreens and pick up <laughs> super glue. So I could like, you know, glue up my hand and get back to fixing it. Like we've all done. Right. This right. We've all done. Oh, I mean, yeah. what was it? Uh, Matt Kane was like making a sandwich and like dropped mm-hmm. a knife and caught it and was like on the, ended up on oh. the IL. Yeah. yeah was... Like Affelt, he also had one where like his, uh, he came home from a game and his kid ran to like greet him <laughs> and he got down to hug the, hug his kid and the kid like jumped at him and he had to shift his weight weird and sprained his MCL. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just I mean, just like the weirdest stuff. Uh, just he was Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa once threw his back out sneezing. You know, Brandon. Inge oh yeah. Oh, I mean, hurt his back my... putting his kid to bed. You know, these are. Oh yeah, I mean, there was uh, um, uh, Glenn Allen Hill had a nightmare that he was being attacked by spiders and fell through a glass coffee table, like. Or, or one I of my know personal favorites. Come next, but it's kind of valid, yeah. honestly. It was, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my personal favorites, Marty Cordova, when he was on the Orioles, fell asleep uh, in a tanning bed. Oh, and... yes. <laughs> I 
God, that's some like Final Destination shit right there. I yeah, mean, yeah. He fell asleep in a tanning like, bed and ended up on the bed. on the IL. Um, but yeah, man, Marty Cordova, talk about underrated players. That's was, that's that's a backyard <laughs> baseball name for me. Like, yeah, man. Um, remember nothing about him as a player, but remember him in backyard. He was baseball, he was so. fun when he was with the Orioles. Uh, um, from my memory of him. Um, anyways, another yeah. another baseball question. Uh, ballparks. How many ballparks have you been mm. to? Do you have a favorite? Do you have a thing you always get when you go to the ballpark? Hmm. Um, I don't have anything like a favorite thing I always get when I go to a ballpark. I'm, I'm, I'm there to watch the game. Um, I'm like the worst person to go to a ballpark with. Uh, like I, I'm quiet. I just sit there and I'm watching. I'm trying to soak up anything I can. <laughs> uh, my, my wife's like, you know, like, oh, teach your kids about the game. And I'm just sitting there like. Like just watching the game. Um, so yeah, no, I don't have any favorite thing. Let's see. Um, I think I've been to probably eight or nine stadiums. Uh, at some point I will travel more and get to more uh, stadiums. I mean, my favorite is, is the giant stadium. Um, you know, yeah. there's a little it's bit of hard to beat that, there, honestly. But it, well, it's, it's, really, it's hard really to beat it. It's stadium. gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Um, Camden is a great stadium as well. I think That's it's right. I, I think it's kind of underrated uh, as a stadium, um, you know. But I haven't been to like PNC yet. I haven't been to Kaufman yet. So I mean, there's some yeah. if, there's something about Fenway that I love. Uh, that is just uh, the history of it. it's really cool. Yeah. Um, same with Wrigley, uh, the history of Wrigley and, and being there and knowing that games were being played there a hundred years ago, uh, and you know, and seeing that history because I, I I mean I did when I, when I did go back to college and, and get an actual degree, um, I, I, I was, I'm a history, you know, major, um, or was a history major. Uh, and so like uh, the historical part of baseball, um, is really cool. And, uh, and so I do love the historical stadiums. I kind of wish they wouldn't like tear down some of these old stadiums and, and leave them yeah. up because they are cathedrals in, in many ways. Yeah. It's so going to be news Zach's, when we get someone on the show who's not a history major. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say Zach's laughing or a yeah, lawyer. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a history minor. <laughs> Zach, you were a history uh, major. Right? I was a we history major. Yeah, our, uh, yeah, we, we talked, talked about this um, on the pod last week too. That, um, yeah, that's no, that's such a great point about. I I, I got to say Oracle. I want to want you to tell me like a couple of your favorite things about Oracle because I was there a couple of years ago and I'm. I hate to say that it was underwhelming because it wasn't like it was nice, but I've always heard people kind of put it on a level with like Camden and PNC, which are kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, the the standard answers for like most beautiful ballparks out there. And which, again, I loved it. And I particularly because it's it's San Francisco, like last time I went there, me and my cousin like literally stood about 10 feet outside the gates and smoked the biggest joint I'd ever seen in my life. And then just walked right in and nobody <laughs> batted an eye. Yeah. And it was incredible vibe, incredible vibe. But I was, I remember it being like, yeah, this is cool. But like, I don't know. It didn't leave. It didn't leave an impression on me in the way that some of these other places do. So I want to hear some of your like favorite things about it. Whenever you're there. I mean, the best thing about it is there is no bad seat. Hmm. Um, which, you know, for someone like for, for me, like I'm, I'm now like, you know, an an adult and, um, and like, uh, you know, so like I can afford to like pony up the hundred and something bucks to get good seats. Um, but like when I was 
first going to games when I moved to Northern California when I was 15 uh, and the stadium Way just opened. Much. Like, yeah, I mean, like I could get $15 tickets in nosebleeds and actually see the game. Whereas you get $15 seats in Fenway or, um, or in Camden, you're not seeing the game um very well yeah uh, well i will say uh now 15 dollars seats will probably get you a pretty decent seat uh yeah, 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 <laughs> it's the it's the five dollar seats that are out in left field that uh yeah <laughs> but, but yeah. like yeah, yeah no, you you're get right, the nosebleed yeah. seats you're not seeing much of the game like you're yeah, really not you're absolutely right whereas yeah. the way they constructed uh pack or oracle whatever it's called now and pack bell was, was the original name um it's it there is no bad seat and then it's it's beautiful like it's it's absolutely you're right on the ocean gorgeous. that is true yeah yeah i mean you're just right there on the ocean now it has its downsides if you've never watched baseball in freezing cold weather go and say, go to a night game at mm. in san francisco like i don't care that it's california in the summertime like it gets effing cold if you get extra innings not candlestick cold candlestick was way 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 worse like Hmm. you could like die of hypothermia candlestick (laughs) um the wind in there yeah the wind is just is unreal um especially if you're up high or in the arcade or something like that um but it's it's a beautifully constructed stadium there's things to do outside like if you've got kids like the slide my 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 10 year old like does not like baseball. Um, she, and she reminds me about it all the time. Uh, <laughs> probably because it's always on TV and she'd rather watch other things. Uh, right. But she likes going to games because there's things to do. Yeah. Um, and there's like little like nooks mm. and crannies. Like there's a great his, uh, his, uh, historical mm. like museum uh, there um, where they've got the world series trophies and a lot of cool stuff from, you know, pre Oracle days. Um, I just think it's a, it's a really, really cool, fun, comfortable stadium. Very few stadiums are comfortable um, to watch a, you know, 14 in a game. Uh, and, and Oracle's one of those. Uh, so, and it's, it's probably some hometown bias too, but I've also never been sure. to PNC. Like I really, PNC is the one like that I, I really want to go check out because I've heard just some amazing things. Coffee too. Yeah, I've heard PNC is amazing. I've I really want to go to Oracle sometime. It it just it looks like such a beautiful ballpark, uh, and I've always wanted to go. So definitely <laughs> I, on my bucket list for sure. That's an interesting point you bring up about the not no such thing as a bad seat though, because like I think now that I think about it, the biggest determining factor for me as to whether like you're gonna enjoy your view, whether it's like a cheap experience or an expensive experience you just got to find out how lax the ushers are Mm -hmm. (laughs) because i'll tell you that's the beautiful thing about the ballpark formerly known as u.s cellular field um is there'll be real jerks about letting you downstairs if you have an upper deck ticket a lot of the times they won't even let you in the lower concourse which is not true at all in most other ballparks but if you can get downstairs Ain't nobody checking tickets, so it's like you know you can get that fifteen dollars seat behind the pole or whatever, and yeah, you know, yeah, and that's and true in some ballparks and not others though. And so I think but that, so that you, makes something like Oracle a really good value in that sense, though. And I mean, it, it all depends on how good the team is, right? If the team yeah, is exactly. good and a stadium is full, they're going to care a lot more mm-hmm. about like whether or not you have the right ticket in the right seat, as opposed to like if the team is really crappy. 
you can you can get your way up to you know yeah. lower deck seats because they just yeah you know there's well, nobody there anyway and then, sunday that's, sunday that's at one o'clock uh in camden yards you can sit anywhere <laughs> yeah yeah no that's what i thought and like the, the white Sox just averaged this past weekend averaged thirty five thousand fans for the yeah you're not you're not the you're first not time. getting anywhere yeah oh no that's the thing you can i'd certain i did you just have to try harder i sat down it's like you just gotta scan <laughs> around a little while i sat down some dude comes in and it's like come starts moving into my own i'm like i get ready to get up and be like oh yeah you know no sorry he's like oh no 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 no. this this is this actually your seat i'm like do I look like I can afford the seat? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh no, okay, we're good. Just wanted to make sure we're on the same page here, you know. <laughs> Wait, so we both so, know what's happening right now. <laughs> so we're just we're you know it. Yeah, no, uh, Sox Park is the best. So I I do want to ask one more before we move into the truly, truly tangential random shit. Uh, yeah, I'm really curious what your answer is going to be here because you are not like most of the people we've had on in terms of like their relationship with baseball and their history with baseball. Like we talked about. Um, so I'm curious what your answer is. If you were named commissioner of baseball tomorrow, you know, some, a horrible accident has befallen Rob Manfred and they call you up and they say, would Justin it be Mason, a horrible accident? We need you. <laughs> An accident. <laughs> An accident. They say, Justin Mason, we need you to step in. Come to the office right now. You are commissioner of baseball. What is the first thing you do as commissioner of baseball? Oh, the first thing I do. Um, I mean, I would do my best to get rid of the unwritten rules of baseball. Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah. I think like. Uh, someone was talking about this the other day and I, I and I can't, I can't remember how to, who to attribute it to. And I don't even know if they were talking about baseball in general. Um, but uh, this idea that you have to play the game a certain way, otherwise you're not showing respect to the game, I think yeah. is uh, antiquated. Um, and uh it's a game guys are supposed to be having fun yeah. and yeah. um you 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 are marketing the game uh you know as like this is the place to bring your family because it's fun but the players aren't supposed to have fun and i think i think people feel that especially in this day and age um and i, I think the biggest problem major league baseball has isn't on the field it's um the culture of baseball um and if baseball is going to continue to be considered one of the big three or big four sports um then it needs to learn how to better market itself um to the next generation because it's it's still kind of an old white guy and even though i'm kind of an older white guy now um though i don't know that i'm necessarily old um (laughs) like i i know that like there there's a youth movement in the sport um, right now and baseball should be embracing that um, and marketing that. I mean, I have said it a million times, like uh, that you, if you put uh, Mike Trout in the line, in a lineup of baseball players to the average fan, most of them are picking out who Mike Trout is. Yeah. But you put Tom Brady or any NFL quarterbacks, lineup uh out and most average fans will tell you who tom brady is who jimmy garoppolo is who you know you know they can they could pick out these people by their face 
football players wear helmets. Yeah, yeah. And baseball players don't. And you can't pick out, like, this is a problem with Major League Baseball's marketing. Um, and I think it starts with allowing players to express themselves and have fun the way the NFL has embraced it and NBA has always allowed it. Right. That's one of the big advantages I think the NBA has is they they uh, they move with the way the sport is going pretty quickly. They they evolve quickly and they adapt to what what people want. Uh, I I totally agree. I feel like we're we as in baseball fans are way too precious with the sport. It's just just because it's been around forever doesn't mean that it's this holy grail of sports. It is not special. I mean, it's special in its own way to like us as fans, but it is not unique enough from basketball, from football, from hockey that uh, that it had that it has to be like kept in a little time capsule. Yeah, and, and I think I've, that's one of the things that like makes basketball in particular too unique is that, or not even unique, but like a great entertainment product as opposed to the issues with baseball we're talking about is that people in the pros in the NBA they still play basketball like they're playing with their friends yep. on the corner or some yeah. shit like that. You know, if somebody embarrasses you by dunking in your face you go back and you try to stuff it down on them. You don't get all huffy and then sling the ball at their head. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's just, there's just this, this, this idea around baseball where, where we, we have, you know, these, these, like you said, these unwritten rules where it's like, well, this is how the game is played. The the game has this respect. You have to respect the game and, you can respect a game without while while still having fun playing it. Like I just I I I hate this whole like there is a way you play this game and the way you are doing it is not the way you play the game. Like no, there is no there's just you just play the game. The way to play the game is you play it based on the rules of the game and that's it. That's it. You have fun or if you're a quiet, you know, like quiet guy who's more reserved and isn't very expressive that's fine too like there are all different types of players and there should be room for all of those players because the nba and the nfl don't have a monopoly on unique personalities and there are people in baseball who are unique fascinating interesting people it's just mlb doesn't like to let them be themselves it feels like and and i mean here's the thing like the people that say like well, this is the way the game is played or are the same type of people that like America was better in the night, you know, the 1800s. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. no, no, it wasn't in no way. Was it better? <laughs> like, you know, yes, you, you may like, like have like not benefited as much as maybe other people or something like that, but in no way was the world better at any point before now. Like we have like the fact that I'm able to talk to, two guys who I, who I don't know, like, you know, personally right, on different right. parts of the country means that like our society and world has progressed better than it was five years ago, better than it was a hundred years ago. And like baseball is the same way. Like, like, do we want guys to go back to like not throwing a hundred miles an hour? Cause that's how baseball was played 20 years ago when nobody yeah. was throwing a hundred miles an hour, except for Nolan Ryan and Pedro Martinez, like in like, so like, like, no, we don't want that. We want everything. Like, stop, like, trying to, like, be gatekeepers to the game. Because if we continue to allow gatekeeping in baseball, like, 
people are going to stop. The next generation's not going to care. Like sounds just, like uh, sounds like the kind of people who would refer to themselves as the greatest generation. I mean, because I mean, a lot of this is perpetuated by the players and yeah. most of the players oh, yeah. are younger than me. Um, yeah. And yeah. like, so like very few players, I'm 36, very few players are, you know, 36 or older. Like, so it's not just like the greatest generation. These I are know, people yeah. in baseball who are in their thirties that are perpetuating this bullshit. And it's yep. like, stop it. Yeah. I, it's, I think, I think the history of baseball and the fact that it goes back to when was the national league founded like 1876 or some shit like that, yeah, the history, like that. the extensive history of baseball compared to other sports is both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing in that, it just gives it so much more substance that there is, than there is to a lot of the other sports. There's just so much mm-hmm. more history. There is, um, there is something to be said about that kind of tradition. It's like you said, Justin, going to Wrigley Field or Fenway and knowing that, like, I go to Sox Park and I'm like, dang, I know, like, a hundred years ago, one of my great great uncles or something like that was like a beat cop out here or something like that. As there were also forty thousand people coming in here to watch the exact same thing that I am, at the same time that can beget all of this other bullshit that we really don't need. It's think like, I think of like, why do baseball players dip and listen to country music? Yeah. (laughs) Because like a very basic, I'm sure there's a more detailed nuanced history to this that I'm completely glossing over right now, but the long term back in the day, a lot of baseball players were like, you know, kids that they plucked off of farms in the South and in the great plains, they chewed tobacco. Now it's like, you know, I played college baseball and I look at some of my teammates. It's like, okay, you're from suburban Massachusetts. Why are you like have a big wad of chewing tobacco in and like (laughs) using country music as your walk up? What does this mean to you? You know? Right. Uh, Right. It's like, it's so the culture for better or worse comes, out of that history and it gives us some cool things and it gives us some things that are like this makes no sense what the fuck are we doing here you know and i I couldn't agree more because like as a person who who considers himself somewhat of a historian like Mm -hmm. like i love the history of things right and i love the history of baseball um but like i i love you know i i especially love like early american history i don't want us to live by early american like rules of society like <laughs> right so, right like if you're like, pining for segregation days yeah, that probably like, like <laughs> yeah like think that, about it guys that would be you know? dumb yeah. if i was like listen you can't come in here unless you're wearing your wig and petticoat like yeah, that would, yeah, yeah. I, i'd be fucking crazy but for somehow in baseball that is okay there we go oh right. i'm sorry you looked at a ball you hit for too long so i must now bean you with something that could kill you <laughs> oh yeah like that oh, just my God. makes no sense like let guy like you know you know i thought it was great when trevor bauer like gave up a home run to tatis and tatis pimped the hell out of it and, Tre- <laughs> and trevor bauer on social media next year is like you know what i shouldn't have thrown that pitch good for him for doing yeah. what you know do you and stuff and like um like yeah like people should have fun doing it in the same way like pitchers like scream when they get strike someone out off the mound and stuff yeah like i just like have fun it's a game like it's a game that's and 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 i think hopefully i hope to god baseball is finally learning this with how popular the padres are right now across mm-hmm. the sport because the the reason the padres are super popular is not just because they're very good it's part of it but it's because tatis and manny machado and just all these guys together are having fun and they look like they're having fun. They're a blast to watch. And it's not because they're hitting a bunch of home runs. Not only because that is part of it, 
but it's because when they hit a home run, you're like, what's Tatis going to do? Or like they got the, the giant chain. We're like spinning the San Diego logo and all that stuff. There's just, there's a personality to the team where before you would have great teams that just didn't have a personality. They were just, they were just great, great teams. And, and I, I hope to God MLB is looking at the Padres this year and going, Oh, this is a good marketing opportunity for us. Even if they, even if they kids don't right, see like, yeah, good kids right now, when they're playing in their backyard are mimicking Ronald Acuna jr. Yes. And Fernando Tatis jr. Yep. Um, they're not mimicking DJ LeBayhew. Yes. Like they're, they're not, Absolutely. they're not up there. Like I'm going to hit a single and I'm going to respectfully run to first base. <laughs> they're Nobody, trying to nobody's, go nobody's doing Brandon Nimmo and yeah. uh, running, running to first base. Oh, you know? Yep. 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 I got yep. my walk. I'm, I'm running down. People there. do that. People do that at any below level below the major leagues. And you're just the worst coaches kiss ass in the first thing world. Oh <laughs> my yeah, God. Like, kids, kids are, you know, and you want to bring those kids in. Yes, um, absolutely. You know, yeah, I just, I really, I really, really hope MLB is looking at it and at the very least, just at least sees the dollar signs that come with po- more absolutely. a more popular sport. I really hope they are. And I hope they don't look at it and be like, mm, we need to tone that down. But, you know, never underestimate MLB's uh, ability to disappoint you, uh, <laughs> like the organization. Um, anyways, I would like to move forward to the more random i guess part of the podcast not any less not so that, you know really really no, yeah we've been really on track so far minutes here yeah 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 <laughs> we absolutely have we uh definitely didn't talk about the freemasons for like half an hour um <laughs> so we're gonna ask uh a bunch of just fun little stuff and the first thing we're gonna do is what we call the order of operations trifecta in which we're going to ask you three things and we want to know the order in which you do those things okay first thing in the trifecta is when you get dressed socks or pants first which comes first socks socks, socks Ooh, first. Yes. you're in the minority there and definitive there let's yeah. hear it why let's socks first it. um i am a big guy uh and um and i'm not a very flexible big guy uh and so i feel that, um, I feel that. It, it is hard enough for me to get my feet high and i have very short arms this is something that um people uh uh, I've joked about, and people don't realize exactly. I have extremely short arms. Um, I'm, I'm called a T-Rex in my own household <laughs> by my own children. Um, and hey, so, T-Rex is an apex predator, man. Yes, that's I, true. I cannot reach my feet unless I'm sitting down. Um, mm-hmm. And if I am trying to put on my socks after I've put my pants on, there is more resistance. Therefore, socks go on before <laughs> pants. Um, and, uh, I mean, I I'm losing that. weight, but even this, this has been an issue even when I was skinny. Um, and so I, I have, I have to imagine it is partly due to being not very physically flexible and then having short arms that I must put socks on before pants. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, man. I don't know about you. Usually, we when someone comes in with the socks first, we find a way to dispute it, and I don't know if I can do that. In this well, no, I thought I think <laughs> we've, I, we've had a lot of reasonable explanations for socks first because I think I think DJ Short had a very reasonable explanation in that he, um, you know, has said he still dresses like a two thousands indie kid uh, and wears skinny jeans and stuff. And some you got to put your socks on first before you I, do I those. Guess- 
I'm just salty that nobody. You don't? Oh, no. Man, missing uh, out. <laughs> yeah, like my rationale for going pants first is that I often have like wet feet when I am immediately out of the shower and getting dressed. And like just nobody seems you, to accept you that. Can, They're just like you dry can your feet. Dry off your feet. Okay, yeah, but the whole point is that the feet are at the bottom of your body. So it's like I'm dry, but there's still like moisture that's moving down. Like gravity. Bend over like, that's and dry works. off your feet. I, I mean, I, my reason <laughs> maybe is... install some carpet in your like, bedroom. So they're dry by the time you get over See, right. Okay. Now I... now, okay, this is the great this is now living in my parents' house is like a is a trump card now i'm like huh uh, i don't control so yeah yeah no uh, i my reasoning is i, I, forgot I you were 12 yeah again 12 years <laughs> old yeah. still living with his parents now, i i hate wearing socks so don't I, know how I, to dry myself you know <laughs> i never wear socks as much as possible i'm barefoot so that's my reasoning um, oh, but yeah, anyway, no, I'm not a barefoot person. <laughs> oh, I, always, I always, and forever. I like barefoot wine, but other than that, it's not <laughs> it. But uh... what are you like, my 47 year old Aunt Karen? Barefoot wine? <laughs> okay, I can I can either be 12 or I could be like extremely middle aged. We can. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, moving on, number two in the order of operations trifecta: if cereal is something you eat, and if milk is something you drink. When people do that, they often put the two together. But which one comes first? I mean, the the cereal goes first, and then you pour the milk on top of the right, cereal. Okay. Okay. Um, my 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 eldest uh, decided one day that she was going to put the milk in the bowl first, and I yelled at her. This is not <laughs> a negotiable thing in the Mason household. Um, it's yeah, I, I, I know. I, I don't understand the people is, that do. <laughs> Yes. I, I dude i you know it's funny i i'm convinced now that we're just asking this question so that we can create like a 30 minute long cut <laughs> of like 100 people telling jake seeley that he's insane yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> jake does jake is exactly the person that would do that i love jake but that, oh, that, that i love makes... him too i i love jake a lot and he has written i don't know if you've read he's written like like 2000 words on why you do milk first like he has, he's a vehement defender of milk first, and had a pretty good defense of it. But uh, yeah, well, not I one mean, that for him, would... it's probably different because he has to move all the bodies out of the refrigerator <laughs> yeah. to get the milk. Right, right, right. So there's so much work that goes into it. Yeah, you got it. Really, yeah, like yeah, because that that's psychotic. Right, because the free the freezer's full, so then you start yeah, putting them in the yeah. fridge, so you okay, at least yeah, have a few days. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, last part of the order of operations trifecta. When you brush your teeth, toothpaste or water first? Which comes first? Um, well, oh, I'm going to throw you for a loop here. I, I wet my toothbrush first. I okay. then put toothpaste on it, and then I wet okay. the toothpaste. Yes, I think that's, I think that's that is literally the exactly opposite of loop. Sorry. Okay, I, <laughs> no, I, I did not I know think... like, if there was some like sort of like you can only like do the water once, but no, that's, no, that's I the think, great I thing is we present is these, correct. we present these like a gotcha as if there's like, you know, there is an answer we're looking for, but you just don't know what it is. And people say, it's yeah. like this, do I, I put the water on first and then, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, yeah, they, they're, they're that... like afraid we're going to like jump okay. down their throats. <laughs> the only time we've like attacked somebody on that one was Justin when he was like, I don't do water at all. Justin, Justin Choi. Choi. 
Oh. And uh, and I was just like, because there are don't. people who don't do the water thing, um, which is insane. You don't just raw dog it when you brush your teeth. It's just gross, man. Which I, I, I guess just Justin never. is like a, a colleague of yours, technically. So have you ever yes, yes, against yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's going to be some serious conversations. Well, you know what? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah no, that would be insane to, uh, <laughs> to, to yeah, go dry. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I, I can't even think about it. Um, um, okay. So, uh, I would like to ask you a question, and I and this is my favorite. I, I always say this. This is one of my favorite questions to ask. Um, have you ever seen a ghost or? experienced something in your life where you were like, you had no explanation for it. Uh, I have never seen a ghost. Okay. However, um, I had this conversation that I was, I was smiling cause my, I was, I literally just had this conversation with, with my eldest. Uh, we went, uh, I took her and I just went on a camping trip. Just, just two of us uh, last week. Um, and, and we were just kind of telling, talking and, and she asked me if I believed in ghosts and, um, mm. and, and I said that I, it's not, I don't necessarily, it's not that I don't believe in ghosts. I believe that there is definitely uh, a potential for ghosts to be out there. I think the majority of people that say they've seen ghosts are lying out their ass. Um, so, you listen to our episode with DJ. DJ had the most convincing ghost story I've ever heard in my life. Where he was just like straight up like twice, yep, saw one. My brother and I, or my cousin and I, whatever it was, or I think it was his brother. Like, yep, we stayed up late one night in this place that we thought was haunted, my aunt's house or whatever. And uh, yep, we saw it. And it was there right before my eyes. And it's just like, it was so matter of fact, the most convincing ghost story I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I will definitely go back and listen to it. So, I mean, I worked uh, when I, when I first, uh, when I first, first got out of the army the first place i worked was a hotel and i started it was off, so like yeah uh i started off um uh with doing room service um and uh there was uh it, it was a hotel with like seven different buildings so in order to do room service i had to actually take like a golf cart mm. and there was a lot of talk about this place being haunted the housekeepers had quit because they felt people grab them um oh, violent man. noises coming from empty rooms i never experienced any of that kind of thing however i had to park the golf cart on the loading dock in a way that there's all you could not move it except for the way i backed in and out and i plugged it up i went in one night and uh uh came back out after you know doing my time card and stuff um and it had been moved into a way that would have been physically impossible for a single person to do it. It was not driven there. It was hanging off of the loading dock. Um, well, partially uh, in a way that it o only would have worked if multiple people had picked this thing up and turned it, you know, 90 degrees and set it back down. Oh man. And I went, okay, I don't. And I was only gone for like five minutes. Like, yeah, for a group of people to do play this prank on me. <laughs> yeah. In five minutes um, would have been just an amazing uh prank with no payoff because no one ever told me they did it um so uh there was that and then i worked at a rehab when i uh years ago that uh multiple people had died at because that sometimes happens in rehabs right um, right and I, I worked in the middle of the night which is what i did until uh recently um a, a coffee pot got thrown across the kitchen um i did not see this coffee pot thrown i 
knew where it was when I walked away from it. And then it was on the, I heard a crash and it was on the opposite side of the room. And I was the only person in this kitchen. Oh man. So I have not Justin, seen a ghost. Justin, you saw a ghost. Yeah, I've not saw seen a ghost, a ghost okay. per se, but I have seen some weird crap that tells me there may be things out there ghost-like. You experienced My a ghost. My <laughs> follow-up is, was this, ho- was this located in the Rocky Mountains and was it called the Overlook Hotel? <laughs> it was not. It was just a hotel. Have you been to any Fourth of July balls lately? <laughs> I have not. Um, so uh, yeah, no, it was. Um, and this hotel is no longer there. It's burned. It burned down in the fires uh, in 2017. Um, but yeah, there were some really crazy stories I have heard from that hotel. I don't know how many of them are true or not. Like I like I told my kid um, that uh, I think most people who have ghost stories either are lying or were tricked by something or, you know, right, their mind right. trick on them. Um, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. Uh, I just personally have never seen something um, other than those two experiences. I don't know, dude, you were the only person in a place that a coffee pot went flying across the room. That's about as close to seeing little... it goes as you're ever going to get. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a little coffee pot either. This was like an industrial coffee pot. This was oh my god! Little, this is a huge one. Was, oh my god! Yeah, you're that would have about know. this than we are. <laughs> like you don't gotta convince me anymore. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's, I saw a coffee that, pot that fly. Terrified like, me. Out. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, no, it, it kind of freaked me out. Um, yeah, yeah. How did lie. you not just run away? I would have ran away and be like, "All right, I'm just done. Well, I can't." I I remember telling my bosses at the hotel I worked at that. um if I do see a ghost, I will let you know as I'm driving away from the the, the hotel. Like I will not be coming back. <laughs> as I'm fleeing and quitting. Yes, yeah. I, I yeah, I will I I will let you know as I'm on highway one oh one going, you know, down. Yeah. You know, um I'm yeah, that I no longer work there and it's because a ghost grabbed me by the shoulder or something. Like oh that. my that, god. That would be that'd be the end of it. Oh my God, that's see. This is why it's like one of my favorite that's, questions to ask. Always get some good stories. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, always good. So, and I do, I, I do want to give Sarah some credit last week too because it wasn't a particularly exciting story, but like old houses on Cape Cod, absolutely haunted. Hotels out, you know, any other hotel is going to be haunted. There's some shit that went down there. It doesn't matter where it is. Uh, there's always <laughs> yeah. energy there. So, uh, moving on to our next completely unrelated question, I have not gotten a satisfactory answer on this mostly because i don't think we've encountered anyone who's as like weirdly interested in this as i am but i'll give it a shot anyway so uh in your opinion who has the best fast food chicken sandwich the best fast food chicken sandwich um i'm not gonna give you a good answer i don't i don't know that there is such a thing um i think if you're if you're gonna eat fast food you should be eating a burger um, <laughs> interesting. I mean, Chick Fil A is good. Um, this is true. There, it, it, it does come with a side of intolerance that I'm not a huge fan of. As the uh, obligatory, yeah. they fund conversion camps. Yeah. So, like, uh, yeah, I, 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 I can't say that I've eaten a ton of chicken sandwiches because. If I'm going to eat shitty, I might as well eat like really good tasting, like juicy. If you're going to get wet, you might as well go swimming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So sorry. Sorry to disappoint you there. No, no disappointment at all. I actually fully understand that. Um, 
Do you? Um... It's, I. <laughs> it's okay. Someday, someday, I will find someone who's as obsessed with obsessed with Popeyes as I am. <laughs> the that Popeyes chicken sandwich is really solid. It's very, I, very solid. I haven't had their chicken sandwich, but I like their chicken. Like, mm. I, 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 I would rather just eat the chicken than have the chicken sandwich. Oh, you know what? See, I'm not a. I really don't like fried chicken well, not fried chicken i mean like wing like a bucket of fried chicken like wings and thighs and stuff like that oh so you, you I, need I, to go to the south then because there's some really really good fried chicken in the it's south. it's it's yeah. not it's not a flavor thing it's more just a like logistics of eating it thing i just i would rather just like dip chicken tenders in some sauce or eat some uh like i don't mind drumsticks like to eat like buffalo wings or whatever but like I don't know, just eat like tearing apart a thigh and trying to like dig into that. It just yeah. I don't know. Maybe if, I haven't had the right have, fried chicken. If I'm gonna have a chicken sandwich, like it needs to be like buffalo sauce, like lathered mm-hmm. with blue cheese crumbles and stuff like that. Um, and I just don't oh, yeah. know any mm-hmm. fast food place that really That's does bad. that. Absolutely. That. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have a favorite Muppet? A favorite Muppet. Uh, Honestly, Sesame Street included. Sesame Street included. Um, okay, I, I'm gonna go with uh, Statler and Waldorf. Um, perfect, just perfect choices. I just, I just think they're so funny. <laughs> um, and they're the best. I love them. As much as I don't like the old schoolness of baseball, sometimes I love watching people just shit on other people for no reason. <laughs> like, it's just, and it makes me a bad person. But with oh, a Muppet, it's, it's even funnier. Um, it's just, it's, it's just, it's so well done. Uh, especially if you have to watch like Muppets over and over and over again as a parent. Uh, that like to have that comic relief for an adult. Like that's one of the things that's yeah. great about Disney recently is Disney really puts adult humor into their cartoons that the kids mm-hmm. won't get. Go over the kid's head, but it's something for the adult to kind of laugh at. Phineas and Ferb. Phineas and Ferb was very good. I will watch Phineas and Ferb like on my own because it's it's a really funny, good cartoon that my kids happen to like. Nickelodeon has started doing that with some of their live action um, shows. That every now and then there's some like adult jokes that slip in uh, where I'm like, ah, that's good, and my son's like, what? Uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I find SpongeBob to be like that too. I can still watch. SpongeBob oh well, yeah. These SpongeBob's. Days, you know? Oh, I I reference SpongeBob like constantly. I yeah, I love SpongeBob. New SpongeBob, not not so great because they've kind of they kind of gave up on being like clever and instead mm-hmm. they're just like i don't know what happens if spongebob takes his eyeball out and puts it back in you know like stuff like that well, like just the guy goofy, who created like, it like pass away re- fairly he recently did. Steve, too. Yeah, yeah stephen hill uh steve Hillenberg, Hillenberg. I think. Yeah. yeah he did pass away recently they also just created a spongebob spinoff show uh the patrick star show just like literally just launched oh my god it's like prequel capitalism knows no bounds to the things that will ruin. well i mean it's also the cast members have all said they'll just keep doing spongebob voices till they die because they love doing it so i'm sure they get paid a lot of money too oh my god oh yeah beating the shit out of a dead horse (laughs) (laughs) but man so that early spongebob stuff so good so good (laughs) They named um, the character Sandy Cheeks, bro. Like, come on. <laughs> in Bikini Bottom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So uh, I want to ask two more questions before we get to the final part of the podcast, the full count. 
And this question, I definitely want to ask you this because as we've established, you write a lot and have been for a long time. What is an important lesson that you've learned about writing? Oh, um, that like any other school skill, it takes time and practice. Um, that I think, I mean, there are obviously some people that are just gifted writers. Right. Um, and like that are just naturally good, just like at anything. Right. Um, there are people who are just naturally gifted at it, but, uh, the majority of people who are good writers are good writers because they've put a lot of hours into it. Yep. Um, and I think that often people want to be good at writing um, or great at writing right away. And um, that especially if you want to have your own voice, that takes time to craft it. Uh, and sometimes that involves writing crap. You probably don't want to write. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I encourage people Labor's to like Labor. to like start their own blog. Um, even if you're writing for another site, like have something that's just for you to practice. And even if nobody's reading it, like when I started Friends Fantasy Benefits with the guys that I started it with, um, nobody was reading it. Absolutely nobody's reading it. And I doubt many people even read it now. Um, but like I wrote all the time um, and continue to do write and write and write. And eventually I kind of found my own voice. Um, and even to this day, like, I don't get to write a lot of my own, like the kind of stuff that just pops in my head. Well, I want to write about this. I have to write to my deadlines. Um, yeah. but I write a lot and it, it makes me a better writer. Yeah. It's, and you, and it's, it's so important it's really to understand that like, you're going to suck at first, mm -hmm. like more, more likely than not you're not going to be that good when you very first start. And it's just important to like get that out of the way. There's this, um, this YouTuber who talks a lot about video games and he has this, uh, talks about this, this slogan in the video game developing world where they say, uh, fail faster, find the fun. So like get the failure out of the way, like just go ahead. Don't be afraid of failure. In fact, lean into it, go ahead, fail real quickly so you can get past that and find the fun. And that's what you got to do with writing, too. You have to go ahead and fail. You have to go ahead and write stuff that's going to suck. And you may not think it sucks at the time. Certainly, I don't think anyone, you know, is writing something like, yeah, this totally sucks. But you just you can't be afraid of not of not writing something that is good. You just have to do it. And if it sucks, it sucks. You get past it. And then that helps develop you into a better writer. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a muscle that needs to be worked constantly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So very cool. That's a good one. That's a good one. And I don't know what your answer is going to be to this, this next second to last question or last question, but I suspect it's going to be, uh, it's going to be quite good. So just tell us about a time when you laughed really hard. Like tears are streaming down like, your yeah, face. It can be the dumbest shit imaginable. It, yeah, it but does just, not have to be a good story. <laughs> somebody farted. Somebody fell down. You're, you know, at a funeral and you thought of a funny joke. Uh, <laughs> it just, just you're not supposed to be laughing. Your kid said something inappropriate. Uh, you know, something, to, anything. It again does not have to be a good story. You know, I don't. I can't even think of anything off the top. Of my, I laugh a lot. Like I want to laugh a lot. Um, That's and, good. Uh, 
I find the humor, I, I've got a really dark sense of humor, um, and it gets me in a lot of trouble uh, <laughs> all the time. Um, and I often tell people when they tell me that what I say isn't funny, that I'm, I'm only I'm only catering to the audience in my head. Yes. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, so one of the things we do in my house and I, I have a 10 year old and a two year old and almost 11 year old. We don't do it with a two year old yet. It, it will happen later on, but um, we have something in the house uh, called Fart Fridays. Um, and <laughs> that's going to be bleeped out. I'm sure. Uh, but we allow our 10 year old to swear on Fridays. Uh, and um, it's because uh, we don't want the stigma attached to profanity um yeah and yeah. she's smart enough and mature enough to follow our direction in terms of what's okay and what's not okay which you're not allowed to swear at people uh right you're, you're not allowed to you know name call uh um you know uh and they're only allowed to happen in the house on fridays and as long as nobody <laughs> else like if she's got a friend coming over on friday right friday right right is, is uh is it's canceled. canceled you don't want to be getting um, a call from no other parents exactly <laughs> like, like you know we went on a vacation recently <laughs> with my family and it's like sorry effing friday isn't happening um you know while we're on vacation uh, yeah but there's nothing funnier than watching a child try to learn how to use swear words <laughs> um and so, uh, and I, I mean, you guys are going to bleep it out, but you guys will hear it. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. we're tuned hours and she, 20 minutes in. Like, yeah, yeah she, maybe we'll skip this one. Who knows? She she invented her own swear word of bitch apple. Um, <coughs> and, that sounds FCC appropriate to me. We'll keep it in. Um, <laughs> look, it's not in the FCC handbooks. So, yeah, yeah. It, it has. Uh, become just a reoccurring swear word that everyone uses. Now. So, what is the what is the definition of bitch apple? Um, a bitch apple can be a uh, an adjective, like you know, or na noun. It's not a verb. It's um, uh, I mean, it's it's, I mean, it, it's kind of just like you know, you don't like something, so that you know that thing has become a bitch apple. Um, I'm assuming it is like a soft apple, you know, that you wouldn't want. To yeah, eat. yeah, yeah. Um, it's a nasty apple that you yeah, just you wouldn't um, like. Maybe it's a sour apple. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Taste good, but yeah, the bitch apple is uh, one of my favorite uh, favorite words <laughs> now. Um, and and uh, and my daughter uh, loves the joy in my face when she says it. So uh, it's uh, yeah, it's just something that we we've done now for like like probably three years. I think we started when she, when she was eight. Um, and, uh, because we swear and like, I'm not right, going to pretend right, like I right, don't. Right. And I'm not going to, if I make a big deal out of swearing in front of her, that's just going to make them want to do it more. Um, sure. Sure. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, that's, it's just part incredible. of our everyday vernacular. Uh, and she's never sworn at, she's never gotten in trouble for swearing at school or daycare or, and so I think it works, you know, it's like, these are the rules. And if you, if she breaks the rules then she loses the privilege, which she doesn't want right. to lose. So, right. um, nice. you know, uh, it, we'll see if it works with the next child. Maybe the next child will be just dropping F bombs in the middle of third grade. <laughs> um, but for now, um, you know, it, as long as words don't have 
hate attached to them, there's nothing wrong with them. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think that is the distinction, like in why we don't allow, we don't swear at other people, you know, um, we don't use it as an attack. Um, and therefore they're just words and words only have as much power as you give them as long as they're not filled with some sort of vitriol. Mm. man that's speaking i don't know how much i can talk as the one person here who doesn't have kids um yeah (laughs) but no that's actually sounds like such a brilliant concept to me speaking Mm. as someone who like this is a strong that i had most of my life because i swear like a sailor mostly Mm. because my dad swears like a sailor because his dad swore like a sailor like you know there's a story in our family about like when my you know my dad was a small child and his mom walked up walked in on him like you know playing with a toy hammer or something like that and just banging on something yelling mercy Mercy, mercy, mercy. You know, and the the she says, "What are you doing?" She's like, "I'm playing daddy," <laughs> stuff stuff like that. So, and I <laughs> and I dealt with this as a camp counselor, especially. I taught music at a sleepaway camp for three years when I was like eighteen through twenty, and it was always a conversation I would have with with kids, especially the teenagers. I think the, the age group was like eight to sixteen, and I swear, like a sailor now, and I did it then too. And it was always like, a okay, when you're in the music room, when you are around me and we are in the music program in this room, you can say whatever the first you want. I don't care. This is not something that matters to me. But if you say in front of Amy, you know, camp director or other stuff like that, you're going to be in trouble and I'm going to be in trouble. So we need to set these boundaries and you have to understand that this is not something that's like necessarily bad in in, in and of itself, but it's important for teaching like, you know, social boundaries and and kind of just like reading the room and, and dealing with people. So that's, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if I think that's a very offspring into the world, but I think think it's a smart idea. I grew up in a house. I grew up in the opposite house. I grew up in a um, very, uh, conservative Christian household where, uh, you know, you say a bad word, uh, you know, if you'd stub your toe and you're like, God damn it. Then like lifeguard Jesus is blowing his whistle at you. And he's writing that down. He's just like, we're going to talk about that when you die. And, uh, and so there was this huge stigma attached to swearing in a way that like, I, I mean, I still, I do not swear in front of my parents. I uh, like, I have the ability to like, switch it on and off at this point but there was this whole like stigma around it to like the point where like you know you'd, you'd be whispering swear words now you know in elementary school and middle school you're like oh i can just kind of say this and then it just kind of becomes like this 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 thing and it's like this specter like oh i can't say this whereas i feel like if it's just part of your life you kind of realize like yeah it doesn't matter like who cares i mean it's just, I, I, it's just a thing you, yeah, I mean, if you want to give kids that kind of power in which, you know, they can say something that is going to shock the room, then they're going to take advantage of that. And if you, yeah, absolutely, uh, uh, if you don't give those kind of words that kind of power, then they're not, um, as you know, and not every child, right, would this would work with. There, there's certain right. children, right, that you know, would be dropping f bombs in third grade <laughs> class because they just think it'd be funny. Um, yeah. You know, and obviously, I've I've raised a child in which you know, she understands when it's appropriate and when it's not. Um, but at the same time, like my family was very, very shocked um, and kind of appalled when uh, when we told them about this. Uh, and like, even though they're very liberal in terms of like the words they use and stuff like that, um, but they could never imagine letting their children do that, especially at the ages yeah. that we are letting our children do it. Um, 
but I think as they've witnessed it go on for three or four years um, and not having heard the child swear outside of, you know, oh, you're, you're allowed to swear what words and I give permission for her to say what words and stuff that she knows. Um, yeah. Like, I think they've gone, well, okay, the, this might work a little bit better than maybe we give it credit for. Um, right. It didn't, it didn't cause your family to like, collapse and start like worshiping <laughs> satan like no, you know, or, i mean or just that like it, you know that she would then you know every time she stubs her toe she you know yells at an <laughs> f-bomb or right you know, right or exactly. something like that like you know you know t- i think being honest with your children um is a underrated part of being a parent and like you know absolutely children can handle a lot more than we give them credit for and we're very very honest with our children about a range of different subjects and obviously we we minimize certain things for sure um because you know they're still children but at the same time right people and people right. are, are smart and they're going to figure things out and they, they deserve to be uh you know told the truth absolutely couldn't agree more um all right we're going to move to the final section of the podcast This is a little section we call the full count in which we are going to ask you for a recommendation in each of five categories. I always preface this by saying these do not have to be obscure recommendations or anything special. Just the first thing that pops in your head is almost always the answer I want to hear. So with that in mind, the first category, books. What is a book that you would recommend? Oh, uh, a book that I would recommend, um, The Color of Water. Hmm. Oh, I don't know that one. What's that about? It's, uh, it's a partly biogra- biography uh, and uh, part autobiography uh, is written by a man who is half black, half white. And it tells a story of his mother who is white in the 1920s and 1930s, falling in love with a black man. Um, and hmm. But also tells his own personal story about doing the research around like what happened in their life. It's, it's really, really well done. Interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of that. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, me neither. Very That's cool. A good one. Okay. So uh, recommendation number two is food. So that could be a restaurant, a dish, an ingredient, uh, any number of things, whatever food related, you know? Uh, sushi. I, I absolutely love sushi. Um, and uh, we eat it all the time in my house. And uh, it's, uh, you know, there's so many different things you can do. We actually took a Japanese cooking course on Friday night. Um, oh, wow. As, as a family. Uh, Sir Tab right now is doing uh, $29 uh, online cooking courses. Hmm. So if you've ever wow. wanted to take an online cooking course, 29 bucks, you have to purchase the food yourself. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it was it was really fun and really cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite role? Just out of curiosity, anything with eel. Hmm. And just yeah, oh, no, I love eel. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Um, all right. Next category: movies and or TV. What is a movie and or a TV show that you would recommend? Uh, the entire series of The West Wing. Um, it, my my favorite Great show stuff. of all time. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic, uh, and um, it still holds up today. It really does. What's funny about watching it today, though, is like you can definitely see Aaron Sorkin's like idealized liberalism Mm -hmm. that um, that just like now you look at it, you're like, nah, that's not realistic. (laughs) 
there are definitely things yeah they're definitely parts of the way government operated back yeah. then as opposed to today right that don't hold right. up but like it's it predicted a lot of things mm, mm-hmm. that um oh, it's, it's a brilliant show yeah. yeah that that kind of came true or are coming true now so it's it's, it's well worth going back and watching Mm, yeah i haven't watched it since i watched like scattershot episodes whenever they were on tv as a kid but i've never watched the whole thing through i, I watched the entire series should, front but... to back every six months mm. oh wow <laughs> i feel like i've heard a lot of people talk about it though i feel like it's one of those things i really should it's, it's like yeah aaron yeah, sorkin is like you there just, there is you know a great work, podcast but... that if you want to go and watch the entire series front to back called the west wing weekly with Josh mm-hmm. Molina, who is one of the characters on the show. Uh, he, he joins the show, uh, Will, uh, uh, about four mm. seasons, three or four seasons in, um, where they break down every episode, give you a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff. It's fantastic. Oh, wow, that's Word. super cool. Word, mm-hmm. I like that. Um, so, recommendation number four on the full count <clears throat> excuse me, is music of any variety. Oh, God. Artist, um, album, song, whatever. I'm not a music person, which I think offends a lot of people, including my good friend Yancy Eaton. Um, I'm not a music guy. Yancy's going to be on this podcast one day, and we're going to just talk music for like three hours. (laughs) I'm not much of a music guy. Uh, And uh, I, I mean... 90s grunge is a little bit of my scene. I okay, all right. 90s, so, 90s, 90s grunge, um, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, or Soundgarden? Pick one. Uh, it's Nirvana, and it's not particularly mm. close for me. And I think that's the trendy answer, too. I do love Soundgarden, uh, but also, uh, you know, Radiohead, uh, Bush. Um, like, there's oh, like Bush, yeah, I mean, just a lot Nicole. of great, uh, but I mean, Smashing Pumpkins was my favorite. Hmm was my favorite band uh, when I was in my angsty youth. They, I mean, yeah, they're I'm great. I'm still uh, an angsty youth as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, I mean, you know. We know. We know uh, yeah. Yes, yes. When uh, I was Zach's age, Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> right, right. Just, just entering your teen years. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right. Final category is miscellaneous. Anything from your life, this can be a practice, a location, a person, place, thing, you do I, literally anything from your life that you would recommend to somebody else. And again, I, I always say the first thing that pops in your head, no matter how dumb it might sound to you, that's what I want to hear. Uh, being of service. And I mean, I think you can take that in a lot of different ways. Um, uh, one of the things I've tried to do with my brand is help people. And uh, I think people often are like, oh, that's, you know, you're just trying to be nice just to be nice or so people like you but it's actually really helpful in return. Like I try yeah. to help people and then I know if I need help, I might have people who'd be willing to help me. Um, and so uh, being of service, whether that is, you know, just, you know, helping someone, you know, in your day-to-day life or whether it's going out and like, you know, volunteering your time or um, you know, just, going out of your way to be kind to people, I think is an underrated aspect of life that uh, I take very, very seriously. Absolutely. That is, and what, what a perfect way, what a perfect note to end the podcast on. Um, So to do that, to wrap this up and put a bow on it, Justin, I want to thank you so much for joining us here. It has been over two and a half hours. (laughs) 
and it just has blown by. Uh, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you. Um, and yeah, I'm really glad we got to do this because one of the things I love about this podcast is like, there are a whole lot of people that I sort of know through fantasy sports and, and interact with on Twitter. And like, I kind of get an idea of their personalities, but there it's not the same as like sitting down and talking with somebody for like almost three hours. And, and that's why I love doing this podcast. Cause like, I really feel like I get to know people and it's been uh, a joy getting to know you better. Uh, so yeah. Thanks.